What's up, guys? This rip is probably going to get you super jazzed up about the Bitcoin 2022 conference. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, the 2021 conference. It was incredible. Uh, and this one, the next one is going down April 6th and 9th, I believe. Don't quote me. Check it out uh, in Miami, Miami Beach Convention Center. Max capacity, 35,000 people right near the beach. It's going to be insane. I can't wait for it. So if you want tickets, uh, use the, the promo code RAPIDFIRE and get yourself 10% off whichever ticket you end up choosing. Also, thanks to Bull Bitcoin, one of the raddest companies in the Bitcoin space. If you're in Canada, check them out. An amazing way to buy Bitcoin. Gets your Bitcoin right into cold storage. They don't custody it whatsoever. They don't hold it. Uh, and it's a in my opinion, the right way to purchase Bitcoin so that you're not leaving your Bitcoin on exchanges. It's going right to your own custody. And of course, for your custody needs, check out the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto. Uh, great hardware device. It's equally applicable for noobs and pros alike. There's lots of great info on the website uh, where you can check out the specs and that kind of stuff. Shiftcrypto.ch forward slash rapid fire. Learn more about it and get yourself 5% off. Enjoy. All right, sorry, go on. Oh, like we're just fucked. You know, like, uh, I, I've just been, I've just been super alarmed at like uh, we've been gaslighted so thoroughly that like when truth's told, we can't understand it anymore. And so like the, like I, I don't know what to do. Such, just, such like, a good start. These lies, like people. Well, and this is why Bitcoin's so important is that like in a world where everything's fucking lying to you, the fact that like I can have the confidence in the next block and the supply like that, that's super meaningful, you know, because like the, the thing that scares me the most is that like all of my writing and stuff, it deals with the intersection of what's called biopolitics, which is about like essentially the state wants to control your physical body. And it just so happens that this pandemic lined up with it perfectly. Uh, and it's just terrifying to like, uh, I can't help but think about Hannah Arendt in uh, personal responsibility under dictatorship. She goes, look, like we knew, we knew our opponents were going to fuck us like this. Like the thing that really scares us is watching our friends dialogue change and having Oof. them be cool with like sacrificing us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the first point, that's one of the things like, you know, I was just telling you guys where I'm at now in the situation and, and like, you got to be careful with how much of, of this you let influence you but like i do kind of look out on the world and look at the moment i'm in and i'm like man this is so great and then i'm like how stable is this and then the answer that bubbles up in my head is like well not very right because once currency crises kick off especially in the you know in the, in the more major places or, or or things continue to accelerate in the general direction they're going a lot of this becomes in, unstable right and you know we can probably insulate ourselves from it longer than most people. But ultimately, you know, like I was talking about the grocery store, like, you know, when, do, when does that change? And when do rising prices lead to shortages and, and all that jazz? So it is very strange times where uh, we find ourselves in, that's for sure. But how is everybody? It's been a while. Other when, than, other when, than, other than the, just the, the world, you know, falling into hell, how's everybody doing? When did we do the last one? Like three months ago or whatever? I think it was like a week or two before the conference, actually. So I don't think yeah. we haven't really caught up since then. We we had an amazing moment where uh, it was myself, John, you were there. Safetyne was there. Safetyne's brother, um, Justine Hoddle. Eric, were you in the car with us then too? 
Yeah. I, I don't think I, yeah, and Eric was, was there it? too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we were all I, in the I same car, now. I think. And, or maybe it was two Yeah, cars. and I remember we were we basically had like 45 minutes back from South Beach, Miami to downtown Miami. And we had one of our, you know, metaphysical Bitcoin conversations <laughs> in the car. And there was this amazing moment where uh John, when he got out of the car, went and turned to the Uber driver and goes, you know, we're not insane. I, I promise. And I yelled back over my shoulder and I was like, Yes, we are. We are. <laughs> <laughs> It was so great. Like that guy got like such an amazing, like upfront, like personal, like, you know, metaphysical safety and talk. And he had no idea. Like it was great. Yeah. I imagine, you know, you gotta, you gotta wonder what's going through that guy's head. Right. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully some of it rubbed off and he, he, uh, something, he, he was intrigued enough to pursue, uh, further inquiry. Eric also explained to me the concept of uh, the all versus the all while we were having burritos. And thanks for that, because I haven't been able to stop fucking thinking about it. And I can see it just everywhere now. You know what I mean? Like that concept is just like, Jesus Christ. Like that's what we're living in. It's just can the you all explain versus that to the me? all. I've never heard of that. Eric does before, a way better job. Before of you do that, that conversation was incredible. We, we were there out on the patio for like three hours at least. And just, yeah you know going as deep as conceivably possible at least for the moment i'm sure we've all so evolved good. a little bit since then but that was great anyways eric go Dog for my it. memory you, I, I was high as fuck so I, <laughs> the all all for the all is that what you the, said? yeah you were you were explaining it to me you said you were working on this new article and uh it was um just everything boils down to it's the all versus the all like it's just the war of the all oh versus yeah the all. And ever since yeah, you explained like the, the concept, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it because I see it everywhere now. Yeah, the, this is a concept that uh, Hobbes first introduced in you know his, his piece Leviathan, which uh, you know is arguably the most important piece that was ever written about statecraft. And he, he said there's a Latin word, uh, "bella omna comna omnis," which I'm butchering, but it essentially means the war of all against all. And then Hobbes essentially surmises like, look, like every everybody's in this battle against each other and we need the state as like this authoritarian thing to be able to run everybody. And that was true at one point in time. Uh, but now because we have, you know, this metaphysical form of truth that allows for us to parse out language and such, like we, we live in a world where everybody's a liar. There is a war of all against all and states facilitated against each other. And because of how deeply they gaslight us and lie to us about everything, we don't, we can't actually understand what's true anymore. So now that we have this metaphysical formula of truth that communicates through cryptography we can actually find a shilling point that like is bitcoin to rediscover the truth and so like no longer is the war of all against all happening kind of on this state-based level but it's reintegrating itself into communities to rediscover who they are and to like push that out into the world which i think essentially like our bitcoiners and the concept that we're pushing forward and furthermore that like we have inverted hobbes's leviathan from being uh authority not truth creates legitimacy into truth not authority creates legitimacy which is a very very powerful inversion because of the way that it essentially inverts the entirety of how the global structure operates today Hmm. yeah it's it's really crazy when you like begin to you know just internalize that everything is just you know the all against the all at all times right and that's like the swirling storm of chaos that you live in right and then like eric was saying like we have you know now the state has become you know so pathological i mean it probably was always pathological but like we didn't have another way to make sense of things 
and and now that we do uh you can see beyond the curtain right and so you know you're you have this you know essentially this state that gaslights you into thinking if you don't wear nine masks you're going to kill grandmothers and shit and uh, <laughs> the lies just keep getting more and more absurd in some sort of like weird compliance test where uh you know if you're one of the people who swallows these lies uh you know that you can be counted on to be like a good denizen of the state but if you're not then we might have to do something about you you know what i mean and that's like what we're living through at the moment yeah eric it's, no. it's... sorry rob go ahead no i was just gonna say that um that idea of all against all it just seems like kind of the natural biological state you know it's a game theory all the way down so to speak but um absolutely, absolutely. when governments threw off the yoke of gold which kind of was that i've been thinking about this term archimedean points recently where it's kind of like if to have to be able to move anything, you know what Archimedes said, what, give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum move the world. to move it around, I can move the world, right? So this idea of immovable Archimedean points is necessary to move anything. Um, you know, I think that's kind of like what zero is to math, what gold was to government, but once government threw off the yoke of their own Archimedean point, we shifted into this fucking fiat philosophy, postmodernism, soft money, soft mind, as you wrote about uh, <laughs> uh, Um And so it's like, yeah, I guess the all against all is it's being re-decentralized, I guess. Bitcoin kind of gets us back to the state of nature where we're all just trying to game one another and we have a lot of localized volatility and smaller blowups versus, you know, long periods of stability and then huge blowups. That seems like it's better, but it's definitely fundamentally different. You know, Rob, what, what that makes me think about is like the, the ultimate lever. And it, like, this is, I continue to explore this and think about this daily and it's so rich, but like just the, the concept of truth and its manifestations in everywhere, really. And, you know, when you talk about like an, you know, a lever, like an Archimedean lever, like what would be the ultimate lever? And I think that's truth. And like to Eric's point, it's not just like they're like authority and truth are different polarities. And like, maybe we're going through a switch, but I think the conceit has been that authority is supreme and truth mm -hmm. is subordinate to it. And I think what Bitcoin and its impact on all of us is, and the impact it's having more broadly is actually a truth that reestablishes or recommunicates the supremacy of truth and the subordination of authority to it and naturally in a in an environment where the reverse has been uh has dominated the circumstance for so long obviously that's going to create a ton of friction because they are antithetical to a certain degree even though maybe on the hierarchy they're only just one below the other but it's you know, so it's not maybe necessarily a complete inversion, but it's the proper hierarchical organization of those two forces. And as they switch, it should be no surprise to any of us that it's going to create a lot of conflict and friction. Well, in, the, yeah, in that just... hierarchical order, like the the support, like with one having a maximum and the other being immediately subordinate to it, it makes sense that 
that slight inversion kind of augments everything because it's a, literally a reordering of the value structure in entirety. Go, go ahead, yeah. Rob. I was just going to add that you um, almost like true truth and authority, they almost blur together a little bit where and I guess the crux of the issue here is the viability of property. If property can be violated, then might is right kind of thing, right? Then you get authority is truth because all of a sudden the state can swing the hammer and take your property and really dictate the flow of your life, you know, through coercion, compulsion, violence, all these things. But Bitcoin just gives us this new, it's almost like we had, the, we had this idea for a long time, you know, this idea of inviolable property, life, liberty, property, these, these tenets of natural law, but they were just scribbled down on the Magna Carta or they're just scribbled down on the American constitution. So we could ultimately ignore them or di diverge from them. But Bitcoin is just it has practically implemented this principle of inviolable property such that it inverts tr truth to become authority. You know, it's like we need, we have to have some Archimedean point. There has to be some higher order principle or immovable thing we push against to move. This is like a physical, maybe even a metaphysical reality. Like you can't have movement unless there's some fixed point to push off against. And might and violence was that especially once government threw off the yoke of gold and now bitcoin seems to perfect that in a way that you know hopefully governments can't monopolize i mean yeah, i think what, what I think do you so. guys think with where we're at can it be monopolized that's the question i that's what, the question big, i continuously yeah that's the question i continually ask myself is like is the hyper bitcoinized future that we all believe in is it coming are these things going to happen where, you know, the the military, which is the largest asset of the dollar, switches because of a loss of belief from the soldiers who are accepting the dollar as payment and becomes the largest liability of the dollar? And then we see the dollar collapse. Is that going to happen? Or is the cabal that, you know, controls all the guns and all the law, makes all the laws that none of us are in, those are the people that dictate what currency is. Are they going to continue to be able to dictate what currency is and essentially co-opt and ghettoize Bitcoin? into just being a store of value. That's one of the big questions on my mind. And it's something I think about, you know, pretty often. I haven't come to any solid conclusions, by the way. Well, this is, this is what gives this whole thing like a, a character of, you know, biblical proportions, because it kind of comes down to like, are the incentives to coalesce and use truth as the primary or, or ordering mechanism greater than the incentives to use force as the primary ordering mechanism. And obviously the incumbents, and you know, who are they, right? Because as you said, Hada, like, yeah, the incumbents includes the military force, for example, that they can bring to bear, but how many among that force will switch teams, you know, will, will actually ultimately be drawn to a different fundamental incentive, a, fu a, different, mental, a different fundamental ordering force. So it's hard to like nail down what the two forces actually are and how they're represented. But I think it ultimately comes down to that. It's like, we, we will be kind of confronted with a situation where all of humanity through the individual decisions of every single person is going to be confronted with decision. Are you incentivized by truth and fairness and cooperation, let's say among other things, or are the incentives and the people that are playing to them around using force to order things 
greater. And my faith and probably dramatically emboldened by Bitcoin and what it represents is that um, the truth incentive is going to win out, but how messy it, how, like what kind of proportions that battle plays out on and what it looks like. I mean, obviously we're all, we're all just a part of it. We, we, nobody has any answers, but that's my, that's my underwriting faith is that the, the, the incentive of truth and freedom and cooperation for more people supersedes that of the, the, I think, smaller people that can even avail of the incentive that is forced to, uh, to coordinate things. Does that make sense? No, I, I agree with you entirely. And I, I do lean on uh, rational optimism myself. And I believe that, you know, uh, people doing what's in their best interest will create this, um, you know, emergent bottom up, super robust system, this foundation on which we can, you know, build a better life for not just uh, us as Americans, but, you know, the global order. Um, I think one of the things I've been ruminating on recently, especially this morning, is that, you know, it's been 10 years since Occupy Wall Street happened. Um, 10 years this month, right? It was September 2011 when it went down. And um, the energy that metastasized out of Occupy Wall Street uh, went into Bitcoin. It half went into Bitcoin. And, you know, people who coalesced around the Bitcoin project tended to be of the Ron Paul libertarian camp. And uh, they found something that they thought that they could build stable bedrock foundation on. And I think that correctly, the Bitcoiners found the two millimeter exhaust port at the heart of the Death Star, which is the creation of monetary policy. Um, whereas I think while we'll Occupy, the, the people that metastasized to the left and became Antifa and AOC and are in, you know, uh, in one way, shape or form, like they they really want to inherit these decrepit institutions and turn them social justice and then use their use the force, use the monopoly on violence for their own ends and their own power. And, you know, obviously that gets me worried about a Bolshevik revolution happening in, in America. And I think over the summer we saw, you know, like what was essentially a cultural Maoist revolution happen in America, where if you didn't chant Black Lives Matter back at somebody who chanted at you, you were persona non grata and liable to be, you know, killed. Although being killed in this cultural revolution meant being killed on the internet or canceled or whatever it was, right? And so to me, I worry about those two halves that metastasize in different directions and how they need to essentially come back together in order to, I don't know, like fulfill the promise of what Occupy was or just not be non-functional. You know what I mean? Like we need to like, I don't know. I don't know how we square that, but like it needs to get squared in a historical context, like sometime in the next decade. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take what is economics for 500. Uh, the, the problem is, is the, I know. Well, and, and I get this from talking with some, some far left friends is that, uh, there's like a fundamental lack of economic understanding of that. Like you can just exploit the rich, get the money that you need, and then like move forward yeah. with, you know, paying out all these great social projects. It's and like, I really like that idea. I really wish it worked. I really wish that like the government was this magnanimous, judicious institution that was ready to deliver these things. That's not them at all. And like, that's part of the thing that they don't understand is like, they really think Elizabeth Warren's like there for them. They think like AOC, like if they would have been like, hey, like stop going into the Met Gala. Like you're representing the rich in a way that's really stupid. And then she'd be like, oh gee, like you're right. I can't believe I did, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I, I deeply empathize. Like, I really want that. But for me, the experience in Occupy Wall Street was watching these people really meant everything they said, getting the absolute shit kicked out of them by the police. 
nobody noticing, and then it devolving into all these conversations uh, that not only were unproductive, but fractured everybody. Uh, and I think that like through understanding these actual economic tenants of like, look, we can't just steal from people and redistribute and think that that solves it. But like, we actually need to like make a level playing field so that like those who actually can perform better in these conditions and who can create more economic opportunity for others aren't going to get absolutely hammer fucked by the government at the end. Cause like that, that's the thing that I keep seeing coming up. It's like people that really want to create are dynamic individuals that are pushing the boundaries. They come up against all of the, the uh, not only regulatory burdens, but like with the banking establishment and how embedded they are in the political establishment. It's clear that like they can come along and fuck us up using the SEC and all their bros that have been through the revolving door of politics and banking. And that if you have real entrepreneurs, they, they essentially get into a John Galt situation where it's like, why, why should I save humanity? You guys are just going to tax me out of fucking oblivion. So maybe I'll just stop working. And that's kind of where I'm at too. You know, like I, I've retreated to my paradise. I'm preparing for the inevitable fall. And I'm just not super interested in contributing right now because of the way that the, you know, the government shows up to absolutely steal, like they steal more money than I pull out. Like, I, like what can I even fucking do with that? It sucks. It's lame. I don't want to put all that effort in to just have that theft happen. So long story short is I think that that break with the left was, was an economic one. And I think if we can somehow get them to the playing table to understand that like this fiat economic bullshit game and, and the monopoly on violence doesn't work. But uh, I guess that's kind of like the whole shtick, right? Yeah. But they've been, see, I, they've been, playing this game of victimization where they're they're racing to occupy the victim position, which is a fundamental race to the bottom. Whereas we've been playing this game of self-responsibility, which is the opposite. It's a race to the top. And so I think that's that's also part of the schism. Yeah, I think it's far more than an economic break or misunderstanding. I think that's downstream of something way deeper, you know, and this this won't come out properly. I've been trying to put some of these thoughts down in writing lately, but you know, I, I think it is something broadly speaking to do with like, you know, the death of God to, you know, to borrow Nietzsche's phrase, but not necessarily just a particularly defined God by any particular monopolistic religion, for example. But it's like, you know, let's just say that people on the left are generally of that ilk, right? Like religion is stupid and silly. And how could you possibly be wrapped up in something so obviously juvenile, for example? And I think one of the things that happens when you decide that is that it's almost like you become the paramount God, right? And there's nothing left to humble you and your ego just becomes far more unrestrained. And I think largely speaking, whether that's represented in like the fear and the anger and the anxiety or the, the outright egotistical arrogance and hubris that we see in these people that then permeates their ideas of economics and social justice and politics and whatever is that like is the death of god and like again nietzsche pretty much called this spot on that what would happen when that sort of tether to something greater was broken and we were and, and a certain portion of people uh i guess adopted the primacy of the the rational mind as final arbiter what would happen and i think he was kind of right in saying that like 
you'll get tied up, you'll tie yourself in your own knots and you'll have no, you know, true authority to, by which to order, order your value hierarchies perhaps. And again, this goes back to the conversation about Bitcoin because I think Bitcoin in that it transmits truth is a tool for the proper ordering of value hierarchies. And when you do that, when you order value hierarchies properly, well, the question becomes like, what is that stairway leading to? Sure, you've got all the, the, the pristine and proper information to say this is better than that and this is more valuable than that and that, 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 that. Well, where does it go? Well, it goes to something higher. It goes to the, the, the highest ordering power, you know? And is that you specifically as a meat space human being with your rational mind? Or does that knock on the door of something that is far grander that, that, you are an expression of, and that expresses itself through you, but over which, but is, is higher than you for lack of a better term. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the Nietzsche foresight is, is really powerful. And I think too, that the, I think it was in paradise loss where he describes Satan as the intellect actually. You know, Peterson talks about this a lot, the tendency of the intellect to fall in love with its own creations. Right. So we start to believe it's like we have our mind, we have the logos, this rationalism that helps us deal with space and time. But there's something beyond all of that, beyond space, time, beyond symbols, beyond language, beyond logic. That is the domain of the divine, like that it's inaccessible by the intellect. But somehow we think like the totalitarian mindset is no, that doesn't exist. Whatever I have concocted in my own ego and my own intellect, that's what I need to impose on reality. So that seems to me to be like kind of the microcosm of this struggle between mind and spirit is also expressed uh, in, in the macro of kind of the state and the market in a way, right? The market is, is all, almost like the cellular intelligence you have in your body where your, your, your entire body is so much more intelligent than just your mind. It's running all these functions in parallel, but the mind is kind of the overriding mechanism. Um, and it seems like maybe we've just become so, you know, we're all children of uh, Descartes, I think, therefore I am, right? So we're overly identified with the mind individually. And I think that that overemphasis on individual mind identification is expressed in, in totalitarian states, frankly, we keep trying to override reality. Um, and I think, you know, the state is kind of, it seems like to, to speak to that schism that, that Holo brought up, it's like the state preys on whichever direction the market's moving, like this movement to the left, they're sort of preying on the compassion of people where people think like, oh yeah, Wall Street is bad. It is robbing from everyone. So what do we need to do? We need to put in some AOCs or whatever politician that's going to tax the rich. Um, but that's what lets the state stay disguised all the time. It's always hiding behind kind of this pendulum swing and uh, opinion. And I think that the schism, for, or let's say from uh, the energy from Occupy Wall Street went partially into Bitcoin, which I would argue is the right move. That's the people that understand economics is upstream from politics. And then the other piece of the, or the other uh, part of this energy goes into the, the left AOC, Black Lives Matter, whatever. That's the, that's the cohort that mistakes politics as being upstream from economics. This is kind of the illusion we're all operating under. Again, it's this mental illusion that somehow 
my fucking opinion or willpower will change the market. And it's quite the opposite, right? It's whatever the market is doing ultimately shapes uh, politics. And so I think, you know, John, your earlier point about betting on Bitcoin, it's not just a faith in my mind, because you're also, Bitcoin's functioning is both a carrot and a stick in this regard, in that it's a carrot for those that are being victimized in that system, right? They can have equanimity to force. You can just move into Bitcoin and be like, fuck your inflation, fuck your taxation, fuck your coercion, fuck your compulsion. Like I'm maximally sovereign, go fuck yourself, right? It's, it's, it gives you actual economic equanimity, but it's also a stick on that organization because as more people move into this voluntary network, the involuntary or compuls compulsory network is being devitalized or definanced. Um, so it's applying a stick in terms of like capital flight, fiscal and monetary discipline, et cetera. And I think that's just how Bitcoin ultimately wins. It's, it's, it's more empowering to individual self-ownership, which is the fucking truth. Like only you can move your arms. Only I can move my arms. Only you can move your legs. Only I can move my legs. Like self-ownership is this inalienable reality and whatever system maximally honors that truth and empowers that truth i think wins in the long run well to me like this is this is part of like the pedagogy of bitcoin like what what through us trying to dig in and understand what bitcoin is we start to understand like oh it is only self-sovereignty that i can actually have the assurance of myself that the bank isn't going to steal my money it is only through Understanding how economics works and why it's important that Bitcoin has a fixed supply that can't be modified, that I'm empowered against these institutions. And I think that carrot stick thing, it's like a sliding scale based upon market cap that like, if you got in in 2010 and saw this for what it was and knew how to hold, like you got the biggest stick that you could ever got, you know, just like Satoshi. Whereas I think at the end of this cycle, uh, Bitcoin isn't going to be about number goes up. It's about, it's about going to make it, you know, and uh, we're so unaware of how horrifically damaging hyperinflation is across board because we've never experienced it, 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 you know, during our lifetime. And I'm, I'm really, really scared to think about what the United States looks like in a hyperinflationary environment because of not about communities and people, but this gaslighting stuff, like people are saying hateful and violent things against each other. And it terrifies me because like, this is the formula that has always been used to be able to carry out uh, extrajudicial vigilanteism, you know? And so like, that's what scares me the most. And, and the other thing is like the state's getting involved too. It's politicizing every single thing it possibly can from the pandemic to money to, uh, you know, like you name it, they've politicized it. And it's really scary because we used to have this shilling point of values that I'd say, look, as much as I disagree with you and your politics, like you're an American and that's a meaningful thing that we share the values of our constitutionality. Well, now I'm finding most people like state of emergency, you know, com comply or go into the prison camp, your quarantine quarters, you know, um, yeah, and, and that's why I'm at the place now that, that when people, because I've found more people are asking me about Bitcoin a lot more too. And I'm just straight up, you know, like, look, like uh, money creation is totally undemocratic. They're clearly using it to enrich themselves. I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, but it was 
that the, the Fed there, like essentially they're doing something much worse than insider trading. They're front running, you know, what the Fed was buying, you know, yeah. and like the, like, and like, this is just so absurdly criminal. Like, uh, and this is the stuff that, that has me fantasize about some sort of, uh, of fascist dictatorship where the dude's just like, we're going to kill these people that have committed treason. And like, that's all it is. And it's terrifying because like, well, I want a solution that's legitimately democratic or anarchic. And I'm finding that I want a strong man to come in and resolve this, which obviously is going to blow up in our face. So that thought, Eric, that thought that you're having is festering on the right in a in a big fucking way. And everybody I talk to who's, you know, very conservative, um, they want regime change. They wanted Julius Caesar to come to America. That's what they want. And like Trump was not that. But that is what people are looking for, just like you just described. It's like, you know, it's this feeling when the chaos is so disordered that you just go, God damn it, anybody come in and fucking fix this, fix this shit. You know, I don't care. I'll sacrifice freedoms, fix it. Right. And it's like that thought is dangerous as fuck. That's just as dangerous as anything that's festering on the left at this moment in time. And uh, I can feel it myself, too. I can feel that thought. But I, I actively fight against it. You know? Yeah, I think we all feel it. Like you said, it's bubbling up everywhere, Hoddle. And like, that is why on the back end of all this, we are different people, right? Because look, we, we were those kind of like undifferentiated minds that were at least able to poke our heads just up out of the, the pulpit or just crack the surface of the water and be like, oh, shit, like things aren't as they seem, but we were still conditioned and developed and brought up in, for lack of a better term, the soft system, the system that didn't require that degree of control over emotional regulation and principal behavior and all that kind of stuff. So like, that's why what's happening here, maybe more than anything is our own transformation. And as a result of each of our own transformations, the world that we often talk about, the Renaissance, the Bitcoin Renaissance world, the thing that we always dream about, the citadels, that comes into being through that transformation. But it's not like we're just going to sit around here and number go up and then we, we're gonna, all going to have it. We're not going to be any different. The world is going to force us to refine ourselves, to be the people that are capable of bringing that about. And that's the thing that's like uncomfortable, right? Because of course, all, of, all we wanted to do is stack some sats, sit back and wait for the good times to roll, right? But it just, it ain't going to happen. Like we we have to turn into those strong men that build the good times. And we're not that right now. We grew up in, in the soft culture. We're the generation that gets forged into what is required to build that stuff. And like, you know, I, I lament that to a certain degree, because of course we all want soft, cushy lives, of course. But the other element of me is like, every time I confront that frustration and that emotional turmoil about whatever is going on someone getting up in my grill about a mask or doom scrolling on twitter or whatever like i i realize that this is my task like my task is to confront this the proper way and for me to change so that i can confront it the proper way because the other thing is like the ends are seated in the beginnings of everything you know so if we don't if we don't imbue this phenomenon properly with the proper principles and values and behaviors and ideals, then we corrupt it from the very beginning. And we'll put all that effort in just to see that it's unwound easily when it reaches some stage that we were, we were striving for. So, you know, I feel you a hundred percent, Eric. And that's like, 
that's the the part of me that wants the easy way out. That's the part of me that doesn't mm -hmm. want to regulate my emotions. That's a part of me that, yeah, just, you know, you, for lack of a better term, like fucking just fix it, just whatever it takes. But that that's almost the same mentality, even though it has a different expression as the, the very thing we're up against. And that, you know, again, this is why so much of this kind of winds up in spiritual or religious territory because like the task put in front of you is is so great and requires your very transformation in order to actualize it well and for me when i first like when i had my transcendental experience with bitcoin realizing what it was uh, i like i was really fucking angry like i i was absolutely livid i was like i i don't fucking want this i I like, look, I just wanted to be rich and have my own private little life. Like, I don't want to try to go make some revolution to change like that. I'm going to be ate by this whole thing. Like they're going to attack me personally. They're going to destroy my life, all of this. And like, I, I just felt this incredible rage towards, you know, my, my fathers and my, my relatives, my ancestors that like, you gave me this world and now you, you gaslight me with this pandemic and this shit and you, you sacrifice my children so you can have extra, an extra couple of years in a geriatric facility? Like, how fucking dare you guys? How dare you do all of this to us? You know, and now I have this thing, I can actually resist you and I can actually talk back without being terrified that you guys will just stomp me out of existence because maybe you will. Maybe you will, maybe I'll be in a gulag, but you don't get my fucking wealth. You'll never get my fucking wealth. And for that, I'm going to use it and I'm going to fight you and I'm going to fuck you back as hard as I can because you were never allowed to take my rights. You were never allowed to take my freedoms and you were never allowed to appropriate my money for your fucking bombs that you used to kill brown people abroad. So eat shit, motherfuckers. We're coming back. We're going to fight you and we're going to win. But there's this is, um, this is the point, Eric. This is the point. What does fucking you back me? Because look, obviously I share all those sentiments, but to the point I just made, what is the what does justice look like you know because i know it it, it has to be better than our previous definitions this, is, this is biblical it. by the way this is the blood vengeance right you killed someone in my family so i killed someone in your family then you kill someone in my family and it goes on for generations mm -hmm. um, the, oscillation I, I think of the key i mean the thing in my mind here is that that biological desire for the strong man response I mean, again, we're speaking to this reality where, where, you know, authority can actually be truth in a way that like might is right sort of principle when property is viable, right? That's the whole key premise here. So just as like a thought experiment. And I, I think maybe the illusion here is that people think, tend to think that we are how we are and then we're sort of influencing the world. But I actually think it's the incentives are the first order thing like incentives are the soil from which our action springs so we've always had this incentive to go and be violent towards one another because there's a carrot at the end of that stick we can take your property i can take your stuff right there's an economic incentive for me to do that and with bitcoin we're actually like swapping out that soil for something else so that's the transformation right we're actually the incentives are percolating up through our procedural knowing of reality and it changes everything, it changes our language, changes our thinking, et cetera, et cetera. But just as a thought experiment, that strong man response, that innate biological impulse to like, just put a guy in there and fucking fix it. It absolutely would not work. It would be totally non-viable if property could not be violated, right? You could put the strongest man there had ever been in that place. If he can't go out and take people's property, 
that strategy essentially would not work. So I think that, that just using that kind of extreme example, I back into this mass psychosis of politics where we just have this belief because we've had viable property for so long that if I get enough people together, you know, under my canopy of opinion, I can go out and take this other group's stuff that doesn't share that opinion. And that's how we're going to organize ourselves. Like, yeah, it's insane. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Democracy is insane. <laughs> democracy is an insane governance model. Politics well, I, is politics is mass psychosis. I think induced by the incentives related to the viability of property. That's where I'm at currently in my thinking. I think the problem, uh, Robert is like, I think, I think you're right, but people have a tendency to fight the last war. And so we unfortunately are going to have to live through this, this, this conflict and it's going to be an internal conflict and an external conflict of us viewing the world where we know that this doesn't have to happen. Right. And we're going to sit there and watch people try and fight the last war and take people's stuff via force using the state. And then we're going to have this, then we're going to have this Lord of the Rings moment where essentially the ring is within our grasp. We're standing at the fucking foot of Mordor or whatever. And, uh, you know, Stefan Levera is like, throw it in the fire, cast it in the fire. And we're like, mm, no, my precious, you know, I will use this as a weapon against others. All right. I mean, we're going to have to face that moment as people who gain tremendous power, I think. And that it'll be an interesting dilemma for all of us. The one caveat to that is we can't weaponize Bitcoin the way fiat was weaponized, which is a net positive. Uh, it's not yeah. to say that there, Bitcoiners won't There's inherent have... restraints. There's yes. inherent restraints on us. Yes, yeah. yes and accountability and responsibility, all these things. Yeah, and I, you know, to stop, as much as I think we have that innate desire to engage in that oscillation, uh, you know, or violence or whatever, like that's one of the things about Bitcoin that always kind of brings me back is uh, as angry as I am, uh, you know, I'm like, this is more of a spiritual anger too. Like I, I realize there is this great task in front of me that I feel totally incapable of. Like I, I don't, I don't see my strength, ability, or power to, to accomplish any of this stuff, you know, and, and truth be told, going to Miami and meeting several of you in, in person and having the experience of satsang, if you will, to like be with your community of brothers and sisters spiritually. Um, it was so good. I don't want to say it's possible, but like this reflection that, cause like I see that in you guys, you know? And so I, I think this mutual reflecting back and forth to each other, of what we can accomplish using this medium is the greatest thing because at the end of the day, you know, I, I want everyone to have self-sovereign wealth. So if I become the violent sociopathic fascist that tries to do all this stuff, like I'm just incapable of it, you know? And yeah. I think we're seeing some of that with, with what's going on in El Salvador is, you know, they, there are rumblings uh, uh, about, you know, the fact that the president might have more authoritarian leanings, but I think as people like Gladstein have pointed out, like it, it honestly doesn't matter at the end of the day because of the way that Bitcoin can really function and help people. So I, I, I'm right there with you, man. I just full transparency. I feel like wholly unprepared for the tasks that's ahead. And I think about all the times I sat with my grandfather in his study who had been to World War II and listened to his old war stories and just what a fucking pussy I am in comparison and how I was, you know, I'm not ready for any of that shit. And if they had sent me across the sea at, you know, 17 years old to fucking uh, be the navigator on a bomber, like, I don't think I could have fucking done it. You know what I mean? Because we're weak. We come from the weakest times imaginable. Like when my grandfather was a child, 
he grew up in the chicken coop and his fucking uh, his stepfather used was a drunk who used to beat him. And like it was from day one, like hit the ground running, like people used to have hard lives and we have soft, easy pussy lives. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, man, quarantine is such a mental burden. I have to sit in here and watch Netflix on my huge 130 inch television screen. Like, it's so stupid. I'm such a fucking I'm pathetic, you know, <laughs> I, I feel likewise, you know, I'm like that. That's part of the beauty here. And like, to me, this is all the metaphysical stuff that's going on. Is that like, you know, I know all of my shortcomings and you know, all of yours, but like out on the internet, people are like, hey, like, yay, like Eric, like wrote this thing about Bitcoin. And it's great. You know, and like Hoddle gave this amazing speech at, at, you know, BBB that people loved and got a standing ovation, you know, and, and meanwhile, we turn back on ourselves and we're like, oh, can I actually do any of this? Can I contribute in any way? And the truth is, absolutely. You know, like we just, uh, in the same way that fiat world is able to like absolutely become a mind virus and like dig into us, Bitcoin kind of does the same thing opposite mm -hmm. from that. Like it, it digs into you of that, uh, like as intimidated by the task is, is, like I still feel inspired to, to publish my things and just speak my truth and to you try feel compelled. my best to participate. You're, you're like compelled. You like must do it. I, I, I like, if I thought about it consciously, I probably would shut the fuck up, but I'm, I'm just compelled. I must say what I think is true. I must, you know? Why? Yeah. I don't know. That's a really interesting question, but like, it just comes streaming out of my fucking mouth. Like there's nothing I can do about it. You know? I, uh, that's why, that's yeah, why we love you, man. And that's, I think that we all aspire to that to a large degree, especially, especially the four of us, but certainly Bitcoiners in general, like, and we're not all perfect at it, right? Because it's a hell of a thing to make sure the things that come streaming out of you actually pass through the truth filter and are truthful, right? And, you know, some yeah. things maybe don't speak to like a, uh, an ultimate or deep truth, but like, I totally agree. Like all, all I, you know, my own engagement with realities, reality these days, if I can manage to like cajole the bitch inside me and really get it under my control is to see with the greatest clarity I can and express the greatest uh, articulation of that clarity as I can. And like that filter that's in between those two things is muddy and fucked up and distorted. And it, you know, so it doesn't always, it's not a pr pristine stream from one end of that to the other, but I mean, I think a lot, I think a lot of us share that perspective. Like we're just, and you know, th this, that's such a, amazing thing like that gives me so much hope like hey you know if i doom scroll for 10 minutes i'm like all right let's just nuke this whole fucking thing you know i'm like no wait you know like truth is actually exploding onto the world and we're all doing our best to interpret it see it express it amplify it and use its re representation in other people to help our own feedback loops to construct it even further and to refine it even further you know, the, again, like we always wind up in a kind of spiritual or religious domain when you do that, because you, 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 you're pushing the bounds of what is and you're using other people and the truth of other people's expression and existence to, to, to further that endeavor, you know, and so I, I, I agree with it entirely with your sentiment. Uh, and I think that's like, you know, I invoke Peterson a lot lately. And I, you know, because I'm such a fan, but like, one of his main things is speak the truth and whatever happens is the best thing that can happen. And there's, there's something deeply true about that, or at least I believe there is, you know, and, and to the point about Rob, what you were saying about 
democracy and how, you know, how all sorts of people are acting in society today. Like it's all just kind of like our, our world is a world of meaning. Everything is, is a symbol for meaning and, and a potential for action. We put those together and, to, together and we get stories and those stories help us graft onto reality and help us maneuver through it. Right. So part of what we're doing here, and I think this is largely part of the religious endeavor is what story of meaning is the most high fidelity graft that you can put on the reality that you confront your, your experience of reality, let's say, to allow for optimal engagement with it. And I would say, you know, in large part, you know, people that are what I think we would describe as extremely misled today, the story that they're running is not a very congruent graft on what is. And I don't just mean the material world, but I mean like the forces that that generate our experience psychologically, metaphysically, materially, everything. And I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out what is the, the right story? What is the best story to graft onto our experience of reality to have the most congruent engagement with it? And as bizarre as it sounds, Bitcoin is our primary tool for doing that. And again, we're way deep in religious, you know, conversation when we, if, if we agree to that premise. So. I, I would love to jump in on this because I think about this a lot too. And it even kind of gets beyond Bitcoin itself. I think I kind of, I look at Bitcoin as the tip of the spear of the actual digital age. You could, we probably maybe we'll look back and say that COVID Black Thursday 2020 was the inflection point into the digital age, right? In a lot of ways. But in digital reality, we have a higher fidelity means of mapping onto reality, right? It, we, we've, we've amplified the liquidity of ideas, the liquidity of capital, all of these things such that a free market can satisfy its truth-finding function much more quickly. And you, you see this in dating, right? What's the, the chart where like people used to meet in bars, churches, whatever, all these, that percentage is collapsing and on Tinder, Bumble, all these digital dating apps, that percentage is exploding. Like that market is becoming more efficient as a result of digital reality. Um, with GPS, right? We can all navigate much more easily and efficiently with GPS. So, so digital is just changing everything, all of these, these matchmaking functions and markets. And that iterative matchmaking is the mapping to reality, right? Reality is constantly changing in terms of what humans want and in terms of what is available. Digital reality lets us run those iterations as quick as possible such that we are producing the highest resolution map of reality possible. And Bitcoin's kind of like just the, um, I guess the accounting function to that, it keeps pushing you back to reality. It doesn't let these fiat illusions uh, grow. And so at, if you get all the way down to it, like what is the fundamental substrate of socioeconomic reality? Again, it's self-ownership. And self from self-ownership, the natural extension of that is property, right? It's like you own yourself, whatever you go out into the world and do voluntarily to add value for others, you have created property that you then own. And it's, 
that's what's blowing up right now. I guess all these old models that we needed to enforce property, they're just, they're not relevant. These institutions are losing relevance. So they're in their death throes essentially. And this get like the main, the thing I'm thinking about here a lot is that the core to human co-evolution, which is to say that we are participants in our own evolutionary process. We know we can do this through technology. We can do this through how we shape our institutions. Um, you know, when we discovered fire and started to use that as a tool, that was co-evolution. It actually gave us freed up nutrients and food so we could have a larger brain, et cetera, et cetera. I think the core axis of human co-evolution today is the realization that we are all programmable. That is our advantage, in fact. Like we are highly adaptive. We're the most adaptive organism. We can communicate and cooperate in large numbers flexibly, you know, sapiens thesis. But that programmability can be our greatest strength or our greatest weakness, depending on how we look at it. It's like if you understand that you're programmable and you decide to program yourself, critical thinking, you know, uh, being an autodidact, all these things, you then become an auto poetic process that really you become your highest self. But if you ignore your programmability, then you're by necessity deferring it to someone else. You're living someone else's story, basically. And I feel like that is what the state depends on. It, it wants uneducated, resigned, defeated people so they can just run their program on them without people questioning their own psychotechnological software, if that makes sense. So we have this like super high resolution digital map of reality. I think that's just devouring this much lower resolution statist map of reality and property and resources. And that's, that's the, the upheaval that I, that I see in all of this. I, I think the thing that's interesting is, uh, by the way, I fully agree with everything you said. One of the problems though, is that at the same time, that the world was gifted this technology for self-ownership and self-improvement, self-reliance. We also are getting tools like AI that are fundamentally, you know, top-down, centralized, uh, overt control. And many people, I think we've seen, like, especially during this pandemic, et cetera, people want to be programmed, you know, and they want to believe that the programmer is some benevolent actor that they can trust. Yeah. They want the state to be their father, essentially. Yeah. And it's not, it's like that, I forget who it is. Maybe it's, uh, yeah, I can't remember. Maybe, it, uh, anyway, um, essentially like, it's like you don't become a man until your own father has died, right? Mm -hmm. Or in, until you've killed your own father in your mind. And I think a lot of people, because you know, there's always, your father is always between you and the unknown, between you and the void, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, I've gone through this in my own personal life when my father died, I realized like, this is me now against the void. There's no chess piece in the middle between us right and like no matter how i felt about my father he was there he was in between me and the unknown and when he died it was just me versus the unknown and suddenly i looked behind me and i had my wife and my daughters and i was the thing that was between them and the unknown mm -hmm. and i had that causes an existential crisis in your life when you realize that and you have to step up to the plate if you're going to be a man and you're going to lead people right and so i think it's like many people when they reach this metaphorical death of the fa their father or the real death of their father, they look for another father. 
instead of becoming who they're supposed to be, mm -hmm. instead of facing the unknown, instead of facing the void. And so I think that people will clamor out for these tools of oppression and control. Um, they're going to want them, right? And so that's scary. <laughs> like, it's really fucking scary. And uh, right now, AI is not as good as Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is the dominant technology. But when AI does get better, these systems of control are going to get better too. Well, the, the, this programmability, uh, particularly in like our hyper-technological age, uh, like it's so sophisticated and powerful and it's impressing tens of thousands of images and communications onto highly connected people every day. And what I think is interesting that you pointed out about this programmability and the state's desire for it is that uh, like that can only reach the apex when God's dead. Like you, you can't have any kind of moral or ethical responsibility to a higher power uh, with that obligation being there. And like we used to have the constitution as this thing that sort of like acknowledged us having these inalienable rights and like there was a higher power. But with that, that kind of dissolving and particularly us being so, you know, many generations removed after the death of God, um, a lot of people really do regard the, the state as a god. And it's quite terrifying because they believe it should have a right to uh, life and death over individuals. And part of this programmability also with Bitcoin that, that like glitches people out is essentially like going back to them being like, no, like there is truth and reasoning in the world. Like check out mathematics and cryptography. Like look at how this frees you. Uh, and I think in, in regards to like Paulo Freed's pedagogy of the oppressed, like it's not just about those that are being oppressed by financial means, but it's also about the oppressors. Like I very sincerely believe like Christine Lagarde and like all these fucking criminals, they sincerely think that their perspective of the world and that like their 12 banker friends are, all know economics better and they can centrally plan a world that is much more equitable to everybody. And like they believe that, that that sincerely yes. is part of their agenda. And part of that is, is a production of, of thinking the state's the most supreme thing, thinking that they're that smart uh, and also the incapacity for them to stop and actually go, is what I'm doing okay? Like, should, should I be running the European Central Bank when I've been convicted of financial crime? Like, is that, they have like, no there's never a point where like, she stops and does that. What was that? There's no, there's they have no Archimedean point to push against. Yeah, and it's because they believe the state is this God. And like, we can just create infinite money. We can like, the fact that, that someone on the, the Fed's board of governors said that is ludicrous and terrifying. You know, because they're essentially saying, look, if, you know, if you got $100,000 saved at the bank, we can make that worth nothing, you know, and it's scary, well, you know, I'm like, the, this has been the dialogue point I take with people now is go like, these, these people want to destroy your wealth, like they, they have absolutely no care about what desires you have, and it's about what they want to force onto you, and the question is, is, are you going to wait for that to happen, or are you going to get on the lifeboat? Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I think part of that is, is that kind of ego, the lack, the hubris and arrogance that results when there's nothing really to humble you, right? And so you, you're left to your own rational, your own, how you think about your own rational mind and, and how there's nothing really beyond that. And, you know, I think, say, obviously, there's lots of criticisms to be levied at the world's, you know, uh, religions, let's say, but they, in my opinion, they were attempts to, at grafting something onto reality, but like not just as a utilitarian thing, but actually trying to dis discover the, uh, the characteristics or components of reality and then communicating that with symbol and meaning, et cetera, et cetera. 
And now that we've kind of done away with a lot of them, we're, we're in this world where narr- like it's a battle of narrative. And, and it's like narrative is truth, right? Like, yeah, sure, do away with, with the Constitution. Do away with any story about, you know, uh, right or wrong, divinely inspired or what have you. Like, does, does the narrative sound good? Does it resonate with your current and obviously transient perspective of, of things and all that kind of stuff? Like, well, then it plays. And like the, eight, the last 18 months has obviously been revealing in that regard, right? Like it's so easy to, to construct and impose narratives. And, you know, if, if you're just like appealing it to the, the momentary, you know, uh, emotional peak, emotional resonances with people, it plays, it, it, it has strength and influence. And again, I think that's part of, you know, back to Nietzsche, part of the, the danger is like when you're playing around with such transient narratives, you're going to get chaos, right? When you're not tethered to anything uh, more eternal or more truthful for, you know, maybe lack of a more specific term, then you're, you're, you're going to get this chaos. Yeah, I think um, I agree with you about religion. Um, I think religion was beautiful. I think it was a beautiful attempt, but I think, you know, I have, especially at the beginning of this pandemic, I tried to go back and tried to become religious again, tried to, you know, pray to God tried to do all those things and uh, it's just not there for me you know what I mean and I really do respect people who can get there and it can make their life better Um, I just can't get there you know because it just it's fallen like that leviathan in human history is it's time is over you know you had essentially what do you think takes its place well you had God and then you had the church and then you had the state and I think now you have the network and I think the big fight is over what the network is going to look like because the network could be that top-down centralized AI communist bullshit that I was talking about earlier, or it could be the bottom emergent, you know, bottom up emergent, robust, you know, foundational base that is Bitcoin, right? And those two, those two technologies are going to fight it out. It's going to be communism versus libertarian, libertarianism in the 21st century. And, you know, I hope and fucking pray that America sides with libertarianism and libertarian values and that we embrace this technology and use it to fight against what's rising in the East, you know, because that credit, social credit score system, vaccine passport bullshit that people want to put here in America, go fuck yourself. I'm not ever doing that. I'm not ever participating in that society. That's when I go live on a fucking island. To what are those libertarian values tethered? And as a result, why would we expect their emergence and people to adhere to them? Yeah, I mean, you would hope that they're deeply foundational um, to the American ethos and that something about that, you know, marches forward. Um, and that we all are like, we're running on the fumes of like, you know, the Judeo Christian, like American ethic that like founded this country. And hopefully there's just enough fumes left to fucking get us over the goddamn finish line. Because if there's not, we're so fucked, man. We're so (laughs) fucked if there's not enough American culture to carry Bitcoin over the fucking end zone, you know? There has to be. We need like it. We need it. The the snake shedding its skin, right? The the socioeconomic superorganism. We needed the canopy of Christianity to figure out how to organize ourselves under an ideological superstructure to give us the basis of property rights. Ultimately, you know, as Peterson argues, private property emerges from the mythos surrounding Christ, basically, that we honor the sovereignty of the individual above the state. That's what private property rights are. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But now to your point, it's like, that's no longer enough. The idea of private property rights is no longer fucking enough. We now need an actual implementation of private property rights that are very costly to violate. Um, and that's why, you know, it's like, it's all, I feel like there's no conceivable way in my mind for us to get through this without Bitcoin. That's why I often think absent Bitcoin right now at this point in human history I would be so fucking nihilistic. I think I don't know yeah, what I would be know. holding on to. Like what, what would be, it's that feeling I felt in 2004, five, six, whatever pre Bitcoin. When I discovered G Edward Griffin's work creature from Jekyll Island and like looked into the darkness of central banking and yeah. then shared the knowledge with my friends and family. And they're like, yeah, but what do we do about it? And I was like, I have no fucking idea. I mean, honestly, most likely that that frustration and that emotion that we were referring to earlier, that would probably dominate, right? Because we have this thing in Bitcoin to to counterbalance that that reactive emotion and put our energy into that and use that as a tool for our own refinement and to achieve the ends that we believe are right. But absent that, we'd probably just concentrate down into the more aggressive, monstrous sides of ourselves and say, like, well, there's only one way to handle this. And that's why that, that's why this is such an interesting inflection point in history, because that's always how it's gone, right? You've always gotten pitchforks when when people got mad enough about things. Yes. And now I think we have another way. And just on the the the, the point you mentioned about uh, how now, you know, the divine property of the individual is not just like an idea, but it's instantiated. This again is why I think there's there's so many analogs and there's such a usefulness in, and I know Rob, you've been doing this and probably the other guys as well, but like looking at religion and religious stories, and I've been doing a ton of it lately as well, because like, what did Christ said? He said, put truth and the divine and humanity above all else and all you need will follow, right? Well, what Mm -hmm. does Bitcoin do? It sanctifies the divinity of the individual. Mm -hmm. It sanctifies the sovereignty of the individual. How does it do that? Through truth, right? So, There's a lot of wisdom in in the corpus of those stories that I think is going to reemerge and become applicable again within Bitcoin, just in a form that's that caters more to the symbolism and meaning of a modern world versus an archaic world. And so this is why I think we're not done with religion, but we are going to redefine it and and, and create new stories as well. It's sanctifying that idea of the individual of self-ownership again, which is fucking real. You can't argue with it. There's no arguing with self-ownership. Even when you try to argue with it, you're expressing self-ownership. You're saying, I don't believe in self-ownership. You know, it's, it's a priori, something you can't fucking get rid of. And then Bitcoin has anchored that or combined that with this thermodynamic truth, right? If we, truth has all these different kind of meanings, but if we say it's an accurate portrayal of reality, Bitcoin is thermodynamically sound money, right? It maps perfectly onto the time and energy we sacrifice to obtain money. So it's like this superstructure of truth or something. It's truly incredible. So yeah, is, it's it a, it's is it a, it's a truth machine, you know, it's a machine and all that machine does is produce truth. And like, I've said it before, but like, I can't find anything better to do with my fucking life than protect the machine that produces truth. Can you, especially in the world <laughs> full of fucking lies? No, no can't no. can't do it yeah you know i mean like oh, i think all of our i was thinking about this before i gave my talk at Biflock boom and i think the reason one of the reasons we come together is over our like shared trauma bonds from institutional betrayal because all of us have swallowed the lie that an institution told us and then it made our life meaningfully worse 
And then we realized, right? And then you kept having that experience with different institutions. And so if there's a machine that fucking produces truth against the institutions that have become pathological and they lie and they hurt me and the people I know, yeah, I want to protect the fucking truth machine. You know, That's what you I want to do. This back to, you know, we mentioned earlier that none of us feel ready for this. We all feel a bit overwhelmed with the transition we're walking into eyes wide open. That bit of humility, you know, that's something that Bitcoin, I think, also gives us is that we're constantly, we're adversarial thinking, not about, not only about others, but about ourselves. Are we deceiving ourselves? Are we deluded? Is our self-doubt justified? Um, and it, and that, if the absence of that at the World Economic Forum level is the fucking problem, right? They don't have any self-doubt or humility. They're just completely embroiled in their own arrogance mm -hmm. that they can just impose this belief structure on the reality and that people are just chattel, right? Just pieces to be moved around on the game board. Um, and this is, you know, I've, I've been talking to John Verveke recently and he makes this amazing point. He's a cognitive scientist. He says the same psychophysiological machinery that allows us to be adaptive, which again is the thing that enables humans to run the fucking show on earth, also opens us up to self-deception. The same fucking machinery. So the thing that gives us our greatest strength is also our greatest weakness. And I think that is the reason we need some Archimedes, I keep saying Archimedean point, but some fixed immovable thing to push against that holds us accountable. And that's just been thrown off at the the world economic forum level and that's the problem that's why they're poisoned right they are they're so self-deceiving we could say that fiat currency is energizing self-deception at scale right all this capital misallocation all these fucking illusions politics is all bullshit i am um, there's no truth I was, talking, I was talking about this earlier i uh i read edward bernay's book propaganda when i was like 19 or something and then i began to use the tactics that are in that book in order to you know push propaganda on people and i was extremely effective at it like when i was doing marketing i was extremely effective as a marketer i was extremely effective at broadcasting lies at scale and you know creating these lies in a way that were uh, extremely palatable and i look back on how little qualms i had about doing that like for instance one of the things i i pushed was i used to push pro-vaccine propaganda i mean hardcore pro-vaccine propaganda and now i look at what they're pushing with the pro-vaccine propaganda for things that aren't these aren't even vaccines you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i can't abide like the small piece that i helped build uh of that machine i just i look back and i'm like disgusted by it and i never even fucking questioned it i didn't give a shit it was not to be, it was like, is there money on the other end of this machine? Then yeah, I will fucking continue to press the button as money comes out. I was, I was a piece of shit. I, I, I don't know. Like we, we're, we're all guilty in our own ways. And like that, that's part of the reason, like, I feel like Bitcoin allows for uh, us to like, you know, be forgiven and reborn. Like I'm a Bitcoiner now. I understand like, you know, that, that there are these values we can have that can be, be shared. And I mean, to go back to the to the the point earlier about you know kind of the, this authoritarian model, like I also think that like I think Bitcoin, uh, unlike a constituent kind of power where we're all like yeah let's make a political party and beat the shit out of the other guys, like it's a constituent power, like it just works by saying no, like I'm not gonna fucking participate, 
And, and like, that's this critical mass that we're building towards is that there'll be one day where enough people are like, no, like I'm gonna use this other system that clearly isn't going to fuck me. Uh, and to me like that, like th this is a totally new political ideal that like we haven't seen manifest in the world today yet. And it's only possible through the internet. And like the internet, you know, like the, the everything built up through the 20th century is now the, this artifact that could have never known or understood a world with the internet, you know, like, and I think that we really don't have an appreciation for how radically powerful and different this piece of technology is from anything that's ever existed before. And so it's allowing for essentially the politics of the future to start present themselves, which as you said, Hoddle, it, like it is the network, you know, and it's about the affinity you have in the network, the reach you have in that network, and frankly, the tokens that you have in that network, i.e. Bitcoin. I think we can all relate to looking back at our fiat selves and cringing to varying degrees. And, and if, if we don't, then that tr transformation that I alluded to earlier might not be taking place. Maybe that would be a bad thing, unless you're some perfect fucking individual and you just like resonated with Bitcoin and unified with it entirely. But like, I think and you're not. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if, if you don't look, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we even, we call it our fiat selves now, right. That speaks to the degree of transformation. And I, and I look back on elements of work I've done and behaviors and, you know, I always tried to be a good person, but you get, you get uh, drawn away by the signal, right. The siren mm. signal of fiat. And mm. there's so much social license around it. There's so much social reinforcement around it. Like Rob, you were saying about, you know, the adaptive capacity that it, it's just totally normalized. And, and you end up saying like, well, that's the signal. How, how should I not follow the signal? And, and you do. And looking back on it now that you're oriented by another signal and Rob, we kind of touched on this with, with Peterson about how Bitcoin gives you a greater degree of confidence that you can follow the social economic signal that you're being confronted with. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, not, it may not be an always an unerring signal of good, but if it is predicated on a pristine communication of the truth of the preferences of everyone who's com contributing to that uh, market and all the signals within it, then you get a much greater likelihood that the signal you follow will be truthful and will be oriented properly toward a greater good than that completely false signal that the fiat is spewing out. So we were all productions of totally false signals i mean it's a wonder we got out of there at all and mm -hmm. many haven't right that's why we're kind of mm -hmm. here we were the somewhat differentiated minds that that even peeked a little bit behind the, the veil of that just to see it and, and start clawing our way out but we're still fucking clawing right yeah. like this is the point earlier like we are those weak fiat conditioned selves and we're only yes. now being like oh fuck there's so much work ahead of, ahead of me to yeah. not be that and to be you know the one who's aligned with the more truthful signals and we're still in it you know like it's yeah. still touched by evil or corruption and you still like i still have a fucking bank account with dollars in it and you know we can't fully exile ourselves from the system at least not yet um and i think there's another deeper thing here it's maybe that our understanding of economics in 2021 is like a, it's equivalent to our understanding of biology in like the late 1700s where, you know, Washington was sick, fucking bleed him. The economy yeah. is sick, fucking bleed the money type of thing. We're just 
in 200 years, we'll look back and be like, oh, those, those cave people knew nothing about economics, essentially. And Bitcoin was their awakening. Um, and I think this whole possession with, with relativism and, you know, every narrative works or every, you know, even when we say speak your own truth, that's kind of a dangerous term to me because a lot of people say speak your own truth and they just use it to justify whatever fucking narrative they want to put on themselves. But it's, it's this disregard or disrespect or irreverence for rationalism, right? Of, of a priori knowledge, you know, um, no thing can be in two places at once. Uh, production must precede consumption. These things that are not empirically true, they're, they're rationalistically true. And we just don't have that. We don't have that foundation in our epistemic system today where like rationalism overrides and corrects empiricism, not the reverse. We think you could go out and somehow run an experiment on all the parallel lines in the universe and prove, you know, if, if Euclidean geometry is true or false, but it's, we have to have these inviolable axioms on which we orient ourselves. And, you know, in the socioeconomic space, that's property, right? It's just fucking property. It's just self-ownership. If we just honor the concept of self-ownership and all of its extensions, then it, it, that's fix the money, fix the world, basically. Can I say, by the way, when we were talking about Peterson just a little bit ago, that um, you boys did a fucking phenomenal job. Oh, that yeah. was... That was one of the most masterful orange pilling sessions I've ever seen in my fucking life. You guys and Richard and Gigi fucking smashed out of the park. I read through every comment on Peterson's YouTube. The entire audience had been orange pilled because you came in and you spoke their language and they were like, oh, wait, this is the thing that we've been looking for as a fucking tribe. And you guys were like, yep. And they were like, oh, shit, this changes everything. That was like every comment, dude. I mean, it was just. Mwah, chef's kiss it was so good it was so good thank you that was it, our game was, plan I, I, you know like you well and, and to me like the these are the critical moments of like winning that i think reestablishes everything you know like now now peterson's in the ear of the ppc party and like that there's real potential there and i truly do believe over the next five years like bitcoin will activate uh the political aspect of it and to uh be very clear like i use the word political versus politics differently politics is the the partyism of right left bullshit the political is the fundamental movement that reactivates something that is actually political mm -hmm. you know and I, I i want to see texas wyoming and other states absolutely hammer the federal government with being like we accept bitcoin we have bitcoin in our treasury like i want this to accelerate and escalate itself to to being a true constitutional crisis that i want states straight up be like we don't accept the u.s dollar we don't want anything to do with the u.s dollar go like figure out how you're going to pay off your trillions of debt you know and i i'm super hopeful like i want to see a soviet style dissolution where states break up and the fed has to auction off all of its fucking metal as scrap metal and that'll pay off all of its bullshit you know and we'll we'll get a reorganization hopefully we'll break up canada at the same time and you know it, it, it'll be really wonderful Maybe they'll sell off all the that. public lands too <laughs> You know, yeah, the, uh, all the, the rational people here, had to leave Canada. You know, know, maybe we can actually do some fucking forestry management or something meaningful <laughs> with all the federal <laughs> land that these fucking assholes. You know, like I'm surrounded yeah. by a bunch of land that, like, they're like, well, I guess it'll just burn you alive at some point. It's like, what? couldn't we manage it? You know, like <laughs> the thing right. with the uh, the Pearson pod, and I don't know if it was, you know, 
anything that we had to do with or some exposure he got prior to that or since or whatever. But I love, I, you know, none of this is unexpected to me and probably not to any of us, right? Because we, we are extremely confident in, in what this is. You know, here we are talking about all the different kind of trying to wrestle with that. And, you know, kind of owing to the fact that I think that's real. Like we're, dan you know, we may not be articulating it perfectly at all times, but like we are dancing around the thing that's real. That's also been Peterson's pursuit for his whole life. I mean, there may be very, there's very few people on earth that have dug into the realm of meaning and value and truth than Peterson. And so like, I knew it was only a matter of time. Like it, he just, there had to be that spark that, that planted the seed that met, made his brain go like, oh, this is related mm -hmm. to that. Because once that road is established, then he's just going to take care of the rest. And that's why in his recent thing with Max uh, Bernier, like the, the discussion went to money and politics and monetary policy. And Peterson's mind immediately went to, well, what about getting government out of the money? And isn't Bitcoin the means of doing that? So like, he's obviously still early in the process, but like his sheer interest and desire and determination to pursue these concepts of, of truth and value and meaning mm -hmm. is going to mean that like he's on the, the, the super highway, the fast track to going into that. And it's, you know, we said this before we even talked to him, like in our own, when Rob and, and Richard and Gigi and I, you know, kind of had a little pre-chat was like, well, like, let's just talk to him about what it means to us and, and, and why his, his work was meaningful to us and why we found it useful and his own brain is going to take care of the rest. And by the way, I mean, I appreciate the, the comments huddle, but like also weren't you impressed? And I didn't quite realize this when we were having the conversation, but watching it back, I was like, Holy fuck. Like in real time, he he's got smart. some stuff that like yeah, he's, a he's lot a of smart, people take a he's long a smart time motherfucker. to get. Yeah. Like he's when, a smart motherfucker. When, when he did, when he mentioned the one, impressed. He mentioned the one where like you're ba about building a bridge from like the energetic to the real world in order to create an unerring signal of value, like basically explaining proof of work and how that generates yeah. what Bitcoin represents. It's like, dude, most people yeah. in Bitcoin don't even get that. And like, yeah. you, you just got yeah. it on the spot. <laughs> not not yeah. only that, not only his understanding, but his questions. He only had about like maybe three questions I thought were pedantic or like pedestrian. The rest of it was just like inspired. You could tell that he was having a moment it's where he was he really lives in that realm. It's right. He's so yeah. good. He sees he's the so world good. through meaning. And like, obviously, yeah. he's not infallible. And, you know, some of his opinions might seem a bit mundane or, or whatever, because nobody's perfect. Right. But he he, he lives in that in that domain. So it's only a matter of time before that whole world is shaken up by by what Bitcoin is. And as far as I'm well, concerned, I think he has this quote. I don't know. If, whatever. he I heard it through him or one of his books says all true maps must align. So I'm kind of with you, John, that I thought it was just a matter of time. Like as long as he kept being Jordan Peterson, he was going to land on Bitcoin at some point because yeah. of all the reasons we've laid out today. I really was impressed by, and I guess we'll, we could maybe take some credit for this because we did try to come and speak his language. Clearly we're, we're big followers of, of his, but how quickly he seized on the concept of the free market as a distributed computing system, distributed cognition, and that clearly uh, a signal that was 
maximally noise free, right? Like essentially what Bitcoin is would be the best coordinating mechanism for that. He just, to watch him go through that chain of logic in just like a few seconds is what takes most people, I don't know, a few books and a few months to kind of let settle in was just a reminder again, watching it back. I didn't see it in real time either that this guy is something else, man. He's just, I think he's the greatest living philosopher. No, in thank, my opinion. thank God. No, thank God we have him. Like, yeah. I, think, I think one of the great tragedies was that um, he got sick right at the time of the cultural revolution here in the West. And it was like, maybe it needed to happen because I didn't really realize just how important he was until he was gone at a yeah. crucial moment, you know? I wonder if he had stayed, like, would he have been, because he was, you know, he, he was bumping up a lot. Again, there's a lot of friction that he was creating even in like 16, 17. And I wonder if he was there for like longer and that trajectory kept going, if he might've been destroyed by it, but he kind of like had an involuntary extrication from it because of his illness and went quiet for a while and things died down. And now he's obviously re-entered the fray in a different way. He's not attempting to be as combative or, or controversial. He, I think he's like he's trying to discuss the ideas and get these ideas out there, but it does definitely seems like his approach has changed to some degree. I think he was very surprised by you guys too. Like, I think he was very surprised that there was like a group of four young, super intelligent guys who had dedicated their lives more or less to Bitcoin. You know, when you, when you like deal in truth and you see that you see the conviction in another person, you understand how intelligent this other person is. Um, it makes it a lot harder to dismiss Bitcoin. Because you go, holy shit, like there are people dedicating their lives to this. This must be important in a way that I can't understand. And I think he got that immediately too. I wonder how many people do get that because that was one of the things that made me incredibly bullish on Bitcoin is just meeting other Bitcoiners. You know, and like, I, I think this is an experience we've all shared is when you meet other Bitcoiners, you go, holy shit, like Eric is really fucking smart. You know, John is really smart. Rob is really smart. Like these are the kinds of guys I've been looking for my entire life. And I thought I was the only one. And it was just me constantly getting in trouble in the back of the classroom, you know, for yeah. speaking up for the truth, right? And uh, yeah, it's just, it's so good to know the Bitcoin. I got COVID after BitBlock Boom and I was down for like two weeks and I was still like, it was fucking worth it. It was so worth <laughs> it, you know? Yeah, oh I God. wonder. So, wait. So you... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say like the, you know, to... To me, I, I actually sincerely think Bitcoiners are more important than Bitcoin, you know, and, and the reason why is because the the first philosophies that Bitcoiners are building up from that allows for them to understand Bitcoin. Um, like if in some crazy world, somehow the governments did manage to actually destroy Bitcoin, like I feel confident that, you know, some NIM would come back up and reproduce it from first principles, maybe with new cryptography or a new design or something. But we, we would have it over again. Um, and meeting these really smart people who, who then connect it in all these crazy different ways, you know, like uh, the way that Joel is connecting it to sustainable agriculture and, and that we can see, you know, all these individuals that are literally transforming energy markets that haven't had any sort of a realistic change in the last hundred years. And so like we're watching this entire economic blossoming happening in all of these different fields uh, and it's just it's super inspiring and it reminds me of uh 
the book that inspired Gandhi to like, you know, give up his belongings and, and go make a commune to help everybody was, was from this guy, John Ruskin. And in it, he's talking about kind of economic means and, and, and people and how they work. And he goes, look, like I have to throw out these ideas that like we can really uh, like factor out like what the value of an individual's work is. Cause like at the end of the day, man has a soul and like that soul can compel him to like do anything that he wants. And when I see these other Bitcoiners that are like on their mission and like have con like plugged Bitcoin into what they're doing perfectly, I'm just really inspired, you know, like I just want to celebrate and cherish these people and, you know, let the world know about the, the glory and beauty that they're doing. Um, and, it, and it's amazing. And like, I, I really welcome people. Like if you're out there, uh, you know, just just kind of lurking on these conversations like go try to meet some bitcoiners like they they will become your friends and will change your life in, in a really different way that you didn't expect i remember um i had a phone call with ben prentice who was one of the guys behind the what the fuck happened in 1971 website and we like talked for an hour on the phone about you know monetary history and monetary policy and etc cetera, etc cetera. um and bitcoin and austrian econ and this and that and yada yada and at the end of the conversation, I go, by the way, what do you, do, what do you do? You know, and he was like, oh, I, I manage a restaurant in like Massachusetts. I was like, the fuck are you doing that for, man? Like fucking dedicate your life to Bitcoin, you know? And like now he's like full-time Bitcoin doing shit. But I was, it was this moment, this like mind blower for me. Cause I was like, here's a guy managing a restaurant in Massachusetts and he's a fucking genius. Do you know what I mean? And he put together one of the best websites that's ever been invented just from a fucking restaurant in Massachusetts. And the I was like, we can't of lose. Human capital. We can't lose. Like, we can't lose. We're <laughs> everywhere. We're fucking everywhere. It was, it was a great moment for me. <laughs> yeah, well, back to, the, back to the conference for a moment. Like, that's... I'd never met, well, any of you guys, but any, any Bitcoiners, really, either. And that's, you know, everyone had been cooped up for so long. And it was really, like, a totally special event. But, like, other than... Well, the the time I was on stage uh, emceeing and maybe Jack's uh, announcement, like I was just in the grounds the whole time walking around and Eric, you were there for a lot of that. Like, it was just unbelievable how people you've never met, probably know them from a NIM and a handle, like they introduce themselves, there's an immediate connection, there's a hug, there's a thank you, there's a like, want to know more about you, like, it was just magic, man. Like there's no other way to describe it. And, and that's, it was such a great representation hot of what you were just saying. Like all these people are everywhere, like in, in still in Norman world, like little sleeper cells everywhere. And they came yeah. together for this thing and you got to connect and it was a meet, like everyone was on the same wavelength. Like right after that, I went up to um, pork fest in New Hampshire, which is like a libertarian festival or something. I wasn't aware of it until I got the invite to go but uh, totally different, totally different. Like people not driving at all, all sorts of like weird proclivities by people. Like it was just, you know, and people were like dancing around a campfire at night and drum beating and stuff like nothing wrong with it. Right. But like, you ain't doing fuck all with that guys. Like that, that's, that's not changing anything, but you know, at the Bitcoin conference, just there was such a, again, wavelength, like everyone was just on the same wavelength and all the parties, all the dinners, all the hanging out was just so smooth, right? So, so perfect. So I mean, 
and it, my heart was just like so blown wide open just from, <laughs> from the just like you know john like we just had these incredible shares from people like thank you so much like your the information the stuff you published has, has just like changed me in my perspective and you know i really came away i remember john we, we like walked home real late night and i uh, you know i dropped you off and i was walking home by myself and i i was just you know like i'm pretty sure i was crying and i was just like not only thank god so much for like giving me the exposure to this but like to to have these very personal things that I have wrote, you know, like I wrote Bitcoin as a cyanic, like that, that was, that was disturbing for me, you know, to publish that. And then to have people say like, thank you so much for publishing that. Like it, it really opened me up. And it also really had me have to like, take this look at myself of like, okay, like th this isn't about me anymore. And like my, my hands are in this machine and I have to do what I have to do with it. Uh, and something that, that like Gigi told me that really helped me is he was like, he was like, look, I host a lot of your content and stuff. And I love people. He was like, right now, like someone's reading your work and it's like blowing their fucking mind. And that like, there's all this work that's happening that like, you're not even involved with anymore that you've done. It was like, and, and just keep going, you know? And we talked about how uh, we have a privilege to take a place amongst, you know, this dynastical change that maybe we'll be lucky enough that in the year 2300, they'll be like, yeah, like my, my great, 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 great grandfather that was American hodl. It will be like, what? No. It'll be like, no, no, check it out. Like, I have the UTXOs to prove it. And you're like, what? And like, I can only hope, because like, I think about, you know, like, like hodl, it sounds like your your grandfather was an actual war hero. And like, so so is my grandfather. And I, and I ask myself, like, how do I ever get to make a contribution to humanity like that? To where I actually feel like I was part of something bigger than me. So I tell yeah. you what, fiatism is not going to give you anything remotely close to that. The best that you can do is hope for a cushy position somewhere on the ladder and that they won't dispose of you at the end. Unlikely, but they probably will. Whereas I, what uh, we're offering a hope, you know? No, I, uh, I keep one of these on my desk, you know, it's a cast coin from 2011. And it just reminds me, I would never, ever, ever give this to anybody else. I wouldn't sell this to anybody at auction. This is for my great, great, great grandchildren. And maybe the story is them holding this being like, can you believe this idiot thought these digital coins were worth something? You know, but maybe the story is, holy shit, your family has a fucking cast coin. Like this shit is like emotional for me to hold, honestly. I just think about the gonna, future. Like, put and, that on the altar that like activates yeah. the transaction that like brings the <laughs> elevator down. <laughs> And then we'll it's hard it's hard to heaven. think of a better family heirloom right really yeah that's why i, I got one because i was like i must have one like i must you know we must have a physical bitcoin on our mantle otherwise what kind of family are we you know <laughs> <laughs> you know the yeah. other thing that's amazing the sleeper cells you were just referring to john you know bitcoin number go up activates more of those sleeper cells <laughs> yeah it does. So how it's many more crazy. of us are out there, you know, that just haven't woken up yet? And, when, and, and Robert, when number goes up high enough, it it takes over your entire life and suddenly you go work for the church of Bitcoin. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I say. All the companies that are in the game now, they get more capitalized. They hire more people. You know, bit, individual Bitcoiners start more companies. The network has more demands to satisfy. Like the whole thing is so self-reinforcing and 
just centered on truth that, that I, I mean, that's where we get to this like inevitability thing. Um, but no, I just mean, to speak to the conference. About... Sorry, go ahead. I, uh, I'll, I, I was just, I, I'll, I'll let you go ahead. I was going to interject with something else, but I just to, to speak to the conference real quick, uh, being mobbed by love like that for the better part of a week was definitely a unique experience. Just people thanking you from the bottom of their hearts for helping them in some way, either, you know, you got me into Bitcoin at this certain time and it changed the course of my business or my family or helped me. I imagine it's like some, you know, ultra diluted portion of experience like Jordan Peterson has, where he's just yeah. kind of put this out of this body of work that's transformed millions. You know, we have, you know, one-tenth of 1% 1 of that, but even that was so fucking overwhelming. Like I would go to bed every night with my family. I'm just like grinning. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? It's incredible. Like I was, I was mobbed all day, like assaulted, but with love. And it was just, I don't know. I'd never been through anything like that. And no, yeah, I had that I mean, same call, experience. Yeah. I had a call crazy. with, um, there's a fund that I actually had a call with this a few weeks ago and they were saying like, Oh, the number zero, but like he was introducing me to his whole team. So he's going through this whole fucking team. And they were just like, thank you for writing this. This helped us see the value of Bitcoin. We built an investment thesis around it. Now we're, you know, X million AUM. It was just such a, I was like, Oh my God, like we are, our words and our actions ripple way beyond what I think even we respect or understand sometimes. And I occasionally get reminders of that. I'd like um, to pull on that string for a second because, you know, and again, Eric and I were hanging out a, a bunch on the grounds and like a lot of people not only like came up and did the thank you thing, um, but ended up, cause I always want to hear what the story is. And like, oftentimes people were like, would tell like these real harrowing life stories about like, depression and suicidal thoughts and no hope and all this kind of stuff and then you know the the content that all of us effectively have put out have contributed to and obviously bitcoin generally contributing to turning that ship around and and then you're talking to this person and they're like their eyes are wide they're energetic they're smiling they're enthusiastic they're happy they're hopeful and like you know, Eric, you remember this, like that would happen. And then we walk like five steps and then it would happen again. And then we'd walk five steps and it would happen again. And you're like, holy shit. And Rob, to your point about like how it reverberates out, like, I think I brought this up on one of these calls before, but like, I, I, I continue to think so much about the idea of the martyr. And I like it, this, this one is careful, right? Cause that's the concept you have to be careful because that's a concept a lot of people kind of maybe have strong preconceived notions about, but just the, and maybe a martyr is not necessarily needed to be invoked, but the, the punchline is, is like, I think part of the power of that either concept archetype or actual uh, circumstance or event is, is like when your expression, when your action is so devoted to and aligned with something that is true be it a principle an idea what have you that is almost like what increases the frequency like how easily it surfs on the frequency and reverberates further outward right and, and it ends up having an impact 
And so we're all just fucking lucky as balls because, you know, it's very little to do with us. And it's the fact that we just happen to be engaging. We've committed to, we've dedicated ourselves to engaging this thing, which is itself like the truth that is so pure that when it touches people, it has that kind of impact. We, we maybe help contextualize it so that the mm. people understand how to integrate it a bit better when they come in contact with it. But like, it's, uh, it, I, again, I think it, it well, it's, it's obviously, you know, kind of acting and communicating through us, but it's, it's just so interesting how when, a, when an idea or a message or a truth is so pristine and pure, the ease with which it reverberates is so, so amplified, you know, versus yes. like other things can amplify, but they have a, they have to work much harder to make their way through the matrix. We're attuned you know? to it, right? Like you can almost, mm -hmm. maybe you can't always necessarily articulate a feeling or articulate an understanding of truthfulness, but you can almost feel it. You know, you have, we have these attunements to it. And I think it's not us delivering a narrative really we're just sharing a narrative or pointing towards the thing that's happening versus someone that's trying to like actually influence someone or persuade them with their ideas again the totalitarian approach it, this is opposite almost it's like here are my observations of what's happened go look at it for yourself don't trust me verify and that's what mm -hmm. makes it just so powerful i i think in terms of trinity's Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, this is like Trinity's moment when she talks to Neo in the Matrix and like, yeah. like puts him against the wall in the club. And she's like, what if there's something true that like you've known and felt your whole life, but like you could never put your finger on it? Like, what, what if there's this whole other hidden world that can offer you something that's impossible here? You know, mm. I feel like that's what Bitcoin is, is the seekers are seeking. And when they come about us, you know, like we're, you know, frankly, we're Bitcoin apostles. We're like, let me share the good news with you. Like, not, not only like is are this the hellscape of fiatism destroying you and manipulating you and having you not believe that there's a God, but there is a God. Truth does exist. You have a soul. You can protect your wealth infinitely. Cryptography will not be broken because the state demands it. And like with this, like go and prosper. Like the world is yours have it be good. And it's, and it's amazing too, because like once people get that too, like whatever you're doing, Bitcoin has some way to offer you it being a life raft, whether it's stacking stats, whether it's converting your treasury, whether it's just the fundamental knowledge that cryptography can actually give you some kind of privacy and semblance uh, uh, of being able to guard that in a meaningful way, you know? And so like it, it's, uh, to your point earlier, John, like not only we're extremely lucky, but like i i do think that we have to give ourselves credence as well that like at any point in time somebody could have stomped on our truth and courage around this stuff and it could have broken us and we could have been like the right like there's no way this thing could actually exist but like headstrong we pushed through and like you know for years i was the only person that knew anything about bitcoin and that was enthused about it and everybody told me i was crazy and i needed to get rid of it and it was worthless and it was stupid but for some insane reason, God was like, no, like you're, you, you're just totally insane. Just keep going. And, and for me, you know, like the experiences of meeting these other Bitcoiners who got it and saw it and engaged me and applauded me, uh, it gave me the courage to step deeper into that, to, to being here today. You know, like I'm, I'm naturally, a, I don't want to say a, a shy person, but I have a hard time speaking my truth because it hurts me if people stomp on it.
So it's really great to speak my truth now and have it received. Eric, I, I got to just jump in and say like how beautiful it was. Cause like your face is less recognizable in the Bitcoin world than probably the other three of us, right? Just because your face is not out there as much, but your ideas and your, your, uh, like your writing and, and your podcast appearances and these sort of discussions, like people seem to be extremely familiar with them. Right. And it was so beautiful when we were walking around, like, you know, someone would, you know, oftentimes like stop me. Right. And they'd say whatever. And then I, you know, if they didn't recognize you, I'd be like, this is Eric. And they'd be like, Oh shit. <laughs> right. And then they talk about like how much they loved your, you know, your point of view or your commentary or your writing. And like, man, it was just, it was so beautiful to, to see. I, know. Yeah, I can honestly say like those, those were some of the best experiences of my life. You know, like I've never been, you know, like Rob was saying, like the, the love mob, like it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's truly an experience of infinity that like, I can't equivalent it to anything because the experience because like I think we've all had you know our first child being born getting married this stuff like it's a very personal thing but the true agapa that we were experiencing like that bold human love that that is about the solidarity of humanity and the experience and, and to, to me like you know that that's the stuff where I was like yes like I've committed my life towards the the, the right and good cause and this will continually reward me, you know, and uh, yeah, and not no just the monetary like means, which I mean, you know, the monetary means is cool. Don't get me wrong. I think we're all great for being here. But man, like that, yeah. that love coming from this fiat world of destruction, despair, hopelessness, terror, like pure terror that you're going to die, that socializing with the other is going to do that to you. And that the state is the only thing that can help you to have this other experience. Nothing short of profound. I mean, do you know how many guys came up to me and uh, told me that they had acquired 6.15 Bitcoin? And, <laughs> and, and we had like a little bro moment together where I gave them a hug. And I was like, I'm so fucking proud of you, dude. Like, and I really, I really was fucking proud of them, you know? And uh, like, I'd try and throw it off. Like, yeah, it's hilarious. It's just a dick joke and this and that. And they were like, hey, you, it was a me, it was a good <laughs> meme. You know, it was a good, you know, it was like, and I had so many of those kinds of conversations where I just, just hugging all the Bitcoiners and shit was so fucking great, man. No, but I wanted to say this about uh, martyrdom earlier is, you know, I've been thinking about martyrdom and Bitcoin too for a long time because there's just something there. And um, I, I've come to this conclusion essentially, which is you don't martyr yourself for Bitcoin in one fell swoop by putting up a online drug marketplace, even though that's courageous as hell. Um, that's not how you give your life for Bitcoin. You give your entire life to Bitcoin. You make sure you see this thing through. You make sure that you know you get to as far as you can get uh, in terms of the block subsidy before it runs out, right? If you can make it to 2070 and then pass your sats to your grandchildren, that's a beautiful fucking life for anybody who's able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think that's the that's the type of martyrdom that we've all signed up for. Essentially, um, I'm not going to be spending, you know, the vast majority of my sats that I'm holding. I'm just a steward. And uh, in that way, you know, it's like, that's how you give your life for Bitcoin. You pass it forward. That's well said. I think um, maybe the, the, the bright shining faces of the love mob in Miami, it gets, I'm just pontificating here, but maybe it's getting back to that programmability thing. Because I think when you, when we introduce people to Bitcoin, 
there's clearly this worldview shattering awakening, right? You're starting to ask everything you thought was real. You're now seeing behind the curtain. You're suddenly asking why to everything. You're trying to reestablish your philosophical anchoring to reality. You know, like what, what, if money's not real and government's not real, like where you're trying to find the bottom. It's almost like you give people the, the discovery of Bitcoin and what it represents is almost like giving people a software developer kit for themselves. It's like, here are the tools you need. Like now go into the matrix, you know, that you see behind the curtain and create value. And this reminds me of this. There's this great book called The Role of Individual in History. It's a very short book, very old book. I think it's written like late 1800s. And he talks about the paradox of freedom where we all think that freedom is just, oh, I get to do whatever I want. You know, I'm, I'm free from your opinion. I'm free to do as I please. But he makes this point that at the very highest point of freedom, when you actually achieve, you know, this is level of like absolute freedom that you actually encounter its opposite. Like you find the thing that you must fucking do no matter what, like you will completely sacrifice your life to it in every moment, in every thought, in every action. And it just feels like Bitcoin somehow enables you to get there. You know, it is this tool for absolute freedom. And when you really get close to it, it's like all of a sudden, I, I mean, I, all I do every fucking day is I'm talking, writing, thinking about Bitcoin from the time I wake up to the time I fall asleep. It's almost like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a paradox. It's like, oh, this great tool for freedom. But all of a sudden I found this very narrow path. I must walk in the world as a result. Discipline equals freedom, you know? Yeah. Submission I, I to truth lived, is freedom. You know, I think if we lived in like our crazy, uh, like post hyper Bitcoinized world where like freedom and liberty is like pretty abound. I honestly don't think like we would be as enamored or on that mission because like, Check yeah. it out. Like people are free, having a good time. People understand, you know, what this new world is about. Uh, and I think like that's the same thing that spoke to all of us is that like we understand that this is a gift to humanity that allows for the light of each of us to shine open and brightly and that we need to give that to as many people as possible. And that's also one of the reasons why um, it's just heartbreaking for me. Like when, when like, people are like, all right, like, give me the Bitcoin shtick. And I'm like, well, you, you know, it's, it's like God because it protects you. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, and I'm like, oh no, I like fucked up another convert. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, and it's like, come back, like, point come back. Towards your guys' content now. I'm like, look, look like I'm gonna, I'm gonna upset you. Like Google my friends and like, they'll, they'll help you do that. But, uh, you know, and it's hard because like, I, I think we're all at that place. And uh, for me, like I've, I'm really deep down this rabbit hole. I'm just talking about like crazy shit, like language and, and uh, you know, like getting involved in all this Heideggerian shit. And so I've felt extra crazy for a while. And it's nice to feel like people are kind of catching up with me and curious about like, what is this crazy shit this guy's saying? Like, is any of it actually sensical? I'm hoping they're like, yeah, it is. Because sometimes I'm like, what am I fucking doing this is insane yeah, yeah. You know, eric i i feel obviously exactly the same way because i think we're, we're all you know if not in the exact same rabbit hole all the time equally burrowing down to its deepest depth depths possible but like is that not to be expected with the emergence of an anomaly like it's going to 
like shake up your internal systems of understanding and valuation and perceptions to, to the degree that it is genuinely an anomaly. And I think we'd all agree Bitcoin is like, obviously that's gonna, it's gonna be so disorienting initially, right? And so like the, the, what we're going through is like, how do we reorient ourselves in the face of this anomalous, unprecedented thing? right? That has, is more, has greater implications than any other thing, you know? So of course, like you can't do that genuinely without coming off a bit crazy because like you have to fully articulate and express your attempts to reorient yourself around this thing. And inevitably 90% of that activity is going to be, you know, wrong for lack of a better term, but you, but you found the 10, right? And then you, you keep building on that. And that's the why, why we have these conversations. We do these podcasts, we write these articles, read these articles, whatever. It's like, all we're trying to do, at least from my perspective, is not trying to say or tell anything in particular, but just be like, guys, what the fuck is going on here? And like, how are you guys dealing with this? Because it's fucking my shit up, you know? And I'm trying to figure out the best way to integrate this thing in order to, you know, ultimately produce the, the most meaningful, genuine, truthful, liberated life possible. I, uh, I had this realization just recently that I've been falling down the Bitcoin rabbit hole so long that I don't even, it doesn't even feel like falling anymore. It feels like I'm just in suspended animation in the middle of the <laughs> rabbit hole somewhere, you know? And I was like, I was like, this is so fucking true for anybody who's been in this for long enough, you know? I mean, I'm just happy, like, like I'm not alone anymore or just, or just like my, my rambling to my wife. I've thought about how, like, I really just <laughs> want to get like all of the Bitcoin wives together to like talk about how they've dealt with it. Oh, uh, yeah, let's not like, do I'm that. Curious. <laughs> He's insane. I just accepted that. And then like, we became rich. So I had to like start to engage in bullshit more sincerely. It's true. Uh, so true. You know? and, now, and now like the wife is waiting for like the ultimate scam to like really get, to like take control of the private keys to be like, oh no, no, I'm, we're all good. Don't worry about it. I feel, uh, I feel so bad for my, my long suffering wife. I mean, she has been listening to a hour long Bitcoin lecture given by me every day for the past i don't know seven years like every day every dinner table conversation is oh and another thing you know uh do you know that satoshi said this once it's like it's a sickness well, don't a sickness. most things kind of pair, pale in comparison in terms of relevance like yes you know your family yeah. your kids obligations all that kind of stuff but anything else it's like why would we you know <laughs> let's right. just talk about this <laughs> right right that's another great part about number goes up is that like they had to take our shit seriously at some yep. point in time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was I've like, heard before, like my, I was just going to say like, well, like my, crazy, you know, my, but it my turns out on that he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, it, it's, uh, I, yeah, it's a mind fuck, man. And from, for me, like there's all these core questions that, that I always come back to about like, how, like how is, how is the fact that, that Bitcoin's time chain is able to like maintain this promise and oath to itself that like literally nothing on the planet's capable of no institution, no government, yeah. no, like nothing, you know? And, and, and this is the stuff that really has me be like, I think it's all eschatological at the end that like, this is about this ultimate apexal war of authoritarian AI centralized power grab shit against like truth, 
and justice and righteousness and meaningfulness. Uh, and like, it's fucked up that money's in the middle. To, to me, like, this is the stuff that always gets me so fucked is that like, that it's about money and it's about like language itself and how language operates and like how, how because like we've fucked up language so much and people are so sycophantic at this point in time that like we can't even figure out what's true anymore. You know, like I, I've loved these meme videos about like all of the gaslighting about the different political statements we've been given about how like that thing won't happen and they immediately go and do it. Uh, and to me, like this is part of the people have to get to this place where there's a final bankruptcy of the state to where they really have to come to understand, oh, like I, I can't rely on this thing at all because of how dangerous and destructive it is. Uh, and I have good faith that like now that we have this radical weapon, uh, per particularly like, uh, and it's interesting because like I, I've shared before about how I have this old friend that I've been trying to, to orange pill forever and he won't do it because he's just so embedded in his far left position. Uh, like I, I can only hope that as number goes up continually and he has to wince at it each time that like eventually he'll, he'll come to the playing board. And if not, like I don't, I don't really know what happens. I do know that we're still a it's a tough quandary what you do with people who are still in the cave once you've left the cave, because mm -hmm. I mean, how heartbreaking and sad is it to, um, to view your friends and your family as watching shadows on the wall and thinking those shadows are real life when you've actually been outside. I mean, that shit is depressing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had to realize about myself that um, the only reason why it was so important to me is because I had survivor's guilt from childhood. And so it was much more about me than it was about the other person. And once I realized that I was able to let it go, essentially. And uh, now I'm here. If people want to come to me, like I'm, you know, of course, I will always help you out. Um, but I'm not going to force myself on on you anymore about Bitcoin. Like if the shadows are real to you, then Godspeed. You know, they're not real to me. They're not real to anybody. They're not fucking real. The shadows are real. Like, get the fuck out of the cave. All right. That was my last. That was my last. <laughs> well, then they're like, hey, this asshole said that the shadows aren't real. Like, get up. Like, fuck you. The shadows are real. Look at you. Well, you know, Eric, that's a, that's a good point. Ooh. I don't know. I did. a. Have you guys seen the, the film In Shadow? I, I, I posted it a few weeks ago. Um, I don't think so. This filmmaker, Lubomir Arasov. And it's like, I think it was made in 17 or 18. And, you know, it's this dramatized animation of modern culture, right? It's extremely powerful. I recommend you all watch it. Um, and it's, it's trying to kind of, you know, dramatize kind of the shadows. That's why it's called In Shadow, right? So Hollow, it's like, it's trying to show the degree to which people are acting as though the shadows are real and how unhealthy and dangerous, et cetera, that that can be. And then it finishes on a note where people kind of break free from the illusion of that and ascend to a you know a higher version of themselves more truthful engagement with reality or whatever and uh i had him the creator uh on the show a few days ago and he also wrote uh, more recently with another guy uh something called the cancel god and eric the reason why this made you made me think of it is because like that's kind of what cancel culture is it's like no the shadow is is real not whatever you're getting on with get the fuck out of here be gone like you know and and mm -hmm. in, in the article and i think anyone who thinks about this for a couple of seconds will kind of agree or realize this it's like trying to get someone can't like pushing them off a platform like you know eliminate and this is happening in politics and culture and all that kind of stuff today but like trying to just make them disappear disappear them i don't want to i don't want to hear 
your ideas nor the person behind them be gone like that we just accept that these days basically and that is like just on the the trajectory or timeline of what genocide represents right i mean it's the exact same thing one just precedes the other where it's like get your ideas and your perspectives and your your you know whatever away from me but it's like the, the, the two things are far more dangerously related to one another than we seem to give credit to, which is why, of course, Peter, people like Peterson have made such a stand when it emerged in the, in the realm of speech and expression, because his study of, you know, regimes over the course of the 20th century have informed him that, oh, shit, like, that's what comes first, right? Mm -hmm. If you're okay with disappearing someone online, disappearing their opinion, disappearing their ideas, it's a relatively trivial step to disappear them entirely because all you're doing is you're saying what you're saying is so disagreeable to me that I don't want you to exist. You're worthless to me. Right. And again, it's, I think it's a trivial step to, to have that bleed into the real world, which I think is part of the reason why so many of us are so concerned in, uh, about what is happening in the world today. Well, it's a great authoritarian test as well, you know, like, it, but I recommend that article, by the way. If people are willing to be complicit in silencing others because they don't like what they're they're saying, like it's it's great. Like okay, great. You you will go with authorities when it works for you, you know. And and to me, like that's one of the scariest things that I've seen uh, come out of the far left recently is this deep pivoting to like now being in in alliance with the state about everything. I find utterly terrifying. Not only the know, state, think, Eric, but every corporation. I mean, it's yeah, every media like, organization. It's deeply terrifying. Well, and I'm, I'm just like confused at why they don't stop and be like, you know, like, I really appreciate that like Coke's going with the rainbow symbol now, but like, did they like murder a bunch of like labor organizers in, in South America? <laughs> oh, no, like, no, they never did that. That's, you know, they, they've always been rainbow Coca-Cola. The best is when the uh, rainbow symbols come off immediately. The day, the minute that Pride Month is over, the rainbow symbol comes off the profile picture. Well, and whatever one it is, you know, like it, I'm just so sad that that these people who have real, you know, that they, they have real arguments that they're trying to make that and like all their points are valid, but then they go into alliance with the same thing that they're trying to be critical of. I, I don't know. It, it, it fucks That's... with me. In addition to the fact that there's no like, hey, like, weren't these guys the bad guys like five months ago? And like, shouldn't we <laughs> like what absolve them of their crimes and this stuff? And, and I don't know. It, it, it's really scary to me. And that's one of the things I have faith with Bitcoin is that like, even if all this shit does go totally off the rails and I find myself in a gulag and they seize my house, uh, that like my family can like reappear in Portugal, like with most of our wealth intact. Uh, you know, I'm like, it's, I hope my wife doesn't have to like carry on some crusade for me, but like, you know, I, I just, that gives me a faith and assurance that like now I can step more deeply like into my insane shit here and be like, Bitcoin is the thing that politically unites us and allows for us to evolve to, you know, the true American values that we all seem to know and respect and represent. And I have a greater faith than, than ever before that this is going to actualize itself in the deepest and most meaningful way. Um, I kind of feel like we're all a little too on the periphery of our own engagement, but I think there'll be some great person that rises up that's like, you know, it's time I'm building this and we'll all kind of rally to them. I hope, I really hope. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, talking about all this stuff, it 
made me think, and you know, Rob, you can be the one to determine if this is a, a worthwhile conversation, but you know, we were talking about all that love, you know, the, the love mob in Miami, and then talking about uh oh, are you gonna you gonna just pop out and rejoin? Yeah, I think Rob's I can barely hear you. Let me just try to come right back. Hang on. I think I know where you're going with that one, John. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll let Robert lead that. No, I think oh. it's a good conversation. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Have you ever I been canceled before? Have you? Uh, no, no, no. Eric, have you? No, I've like, I don't uh, think I've I'm just canceled. I've like nearly avoided it a number of times. Um, it's, um, it's something because... that's happened to me probably like six times. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I just can't keep my mouth shut. In what um, domain? I've been canceled under my real name. I've been canceled under, you know, my producer name. I I like I use different names for different shit and so like I never let it like it's a thing where it only you can only be canceled if you let yourself be canceled. This is why Trump was such a problem because they tried to cancel him like I don't know thousands of times and he became like a resistant bacteria where like you use too many antibiotics and uh, the bacteria was just like, nah, fuck you, I'm Trump. I can't, do, can't do anything to me, right? Um, but when, when, the mob, when the mob does come for you, it's an incredibly disconcerting experience. Um, and a- anybody who thinks they're tough enough to stand up to it, you're not, you're a pussy. Because it's the opposite of the love bomb that you were feeling in Miami, right? And when you, re- when you receive the opposite of the love bomb and it's the hate bomb and you're being feels like you're being excommunicated from a tribe and they're tar and feathering you on your way out of town. It's not a good feeling, you know, like humans don't respond well to that. Let me ask you uh, this though. I feel like it's highly predicated on the reason why. So like looking back, depending, you stand by all the reasons why the mob came at you. Oh yeah. I've never backed down from the mob. And so why, why you're like, you're just, your belief in that you acted and communicated properly not just insulate you from feeling well, it, the, the, the thing is it throws you into the dark night of the soul because when that many people are upset with you especially when it's millions of people um you go you you ha- any normal person would question millions themselves. yeah oh yeah for me yeah you know i Jesus, get this bro <laughs> yeah so, but yeah. okay but 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 would you characterize those millions of people as like traditional traditional sjw online mom yeah. sort of thing usually who, who usually. gives a fuck i've, I've tangled like, who with gives antifa i've made antifa's list before. i mean like let's let's uh separate out like threats and stuff like that like credible yeah. threats but like it was just like they're the, never that the, credible the, the woke mob who, who who cares like what i don't no, know I don't. why would you care i don't well the thing is, like, um, from my perspective, when this has happened to me in the past, um, Rob, we're just talking about canceling and shit in general. From this perspective, like, when this has happened to me in the past, um, the problem with a canceling is not that you give a shit about what's happening. It's that it's like a mortar that lands in your neighborhood and it, like, causes social strife between you and others. People you and actually so, care like, about. Yeah. yeah, people that you care about. And so you now, now because of your like canceling, maybe somebody that was a person who was a ride or die for you before and would do anything for you has now been moved down a rung in your life. And now they're like a, maybe they'll come help you if needed. Right. And they can be moved down several rungs, depending on like where the cancel squad energy comes from or whatever. And, you know, ultimately you have to just come to this conclusion of like, well, fuck that person. Like, I don't give a shit. You know, if they don't, if they're going to side with the mob over me, then eat my dick. 
you know well, true that but yeah. i think you have to like i think that's why it's so important that we can continue to refine ourselves to do our best to express ourselves in the manner in which we believe is most right and good because like yeah. if if you do that and even someone close to you is like you're a piece of shit i'm not your ride or die anymore then you you can look them in the eye and say sorry to hear ciao yeah. Because like, that's basically how you have to do it. That what you just told me doesn't make me regret or change how I feel I acted. So like, I'm, I couldn't have acted or done anything differently. And I agree with, with how I acted. So therefore, I'm afraid your, your, your criticism just, I, it, I don't care. Now, I think one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin is that like, we've all probably been emboldened to, to some degree to act that way in our lives. Because like, as we've been discussing this whole time, like, now we have this amorphous, group of sleeper cell like bitcoiners that we that are our people right we, we have a tribe yeah. now and so it's like oh well, you don't think this was the right thing to say way to act well i do and my homies do too so i'm good you know so of course that's emboldened us but my, you know funny anecdote i may have told it before but like uh when i first got busted drinking like when i was like i don't know 12 13 14 whatever the fuck it was I came home and I was wasted and my mom was like, you're clearly drunk. And, uh, you know, instead of trying to argue with her or whatever, you know, I just owned it. I was like, yeah, totally. And I know we're going to have some discussion, but I'm really drunk and tired right now. So I'm going to go to bed. And when, when, you know, when we wake up, we can sort things out, right. Whatever the punishment is, is or whatever. And like, I think that's just an example. And I haven't always obviously been perfect in upholding this, but like that is the value of doing your best to act in a manner which you think is best to act at all times, because it's like, it was back to that Peterson quote, like uh, say and do what you believe to be true. And whatever happens is the best thing that can happen. You can have a more healthy perspective on the repercussions of your action. If you believe in the integrity and the rightness of your action, right? You don't mm -hmm. have to, you don't have to allow, you don't have to tether your emotions to how people might respond to it. If you yourself believe they, them to be valid. You know? Oh, totally. So, I, you just gotta you gotta go through these experiences before you become inoculated from them, um, because if you haven't been inoculated from them, you're still going to care. You know how people perceive you, especially if it's an untruth that's out there about you. That it really pisses you off, you know. And there's nothing you can do to fight back against it, especially when it's like been amplified so large. You know, that always feels fundamentally unfair, and that unfairness like, fucks with you. You know, what, what was the untruth about you? Is that something you that I shit coin uh, on a theorem? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, there have been many. There have been many. There have been many untruths about me that have been propagated uh, in group text or on the internet or on somebody's closed Facebook group or whatever the fuck. And like you're seeing it, and you're just like, "Fuck these people!" Like you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, One of the biggest lessons I got from my whole experience, and a lot of it came from a conversation. Because here's the funny thing: is it is equal to how much I'm being broiled alive in public. My private channels were like flooded with support and love, and people reaching out to me. For the most part, like there were those people that were like knocked down a few notches, right? That you thought were supporting you, but they're really just there for. I guess a different reason. Um, but a conversation I had with Preston where he was just saying that at West Point, they were trained 
to take absolute responsibility for all of their peers at all times. And he told the story of if a guy under his command went home that weekend and got a DUI, they would come back on Monday and his superior would ask him, like Preston, what the fuck? Why did your guy get a DUI at home this weekend? And clearly he has no um, ability to do anything about that. And Preston was saying that, that they're trained to take full responsibility. So he's like, I have to institute a uh, re-education program, some training, we'll put out some public notices, something to prevent this from happening again. So to just take problems, basically, whether you've caused them, contributed them marginally, not at all, doesn't matter. Like you should just take full responsibility for it. And, um, you know, I feel, I really feel torn in a lot of ways because I know there's a lot that happened in the beginning that was just kind of confusion that got stirred up. So it's like the, the mob sort of swarmed me. And then I didn't know this at the time, but my agreeableness on Jordan Peterson's personality test is a 1%. So I'm as disagreeable as they come. I knew that, but I didn't know. I didn't have it quantified. So I think when that I'm a 2%, by the way, I'm a two, I'm a two. You're 2%. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's common among Bitcoiners, but I just, dug Rob. my heels in as hard as I fucking could. Rob, before you go on, your connection is, is worse than it was before, at least on my end, if, if that yeah. means anything. Yeah, bad for me too. Like, it was better when you were on your computer, it seems. No, you're all <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> I, think, I think you got to rejoin on your computer, brother. The um, this is clearly a conspiracy. John, have you taken the? Uh, well, you guys go ahead. Let me try to fire up my computer again. There you go. John, have you taken the agree the Jordan Peterson test? So you take, you take it. Rob, I'll mute yourself back. until you come back. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, uh, you should take it. You should take it no, too. It's interesting just to know how disagreeable you are. I'm I'm 98th percentile disagreeable. Sounds like Rob is 99th percentile disagreeable. I, I think the, the majority of Bitcoiners are somewhere in the, you know, 5% range. Like. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. We'll see. You know, I'm, I'm in my personal life, I, I, I make strong efforts not to be conflictual, prob- probably more to a fault too. Just, and I think like a lot of that comes from my own upbringing of always kind of just being uh, like, the lowest on the social rung, like the social outcasted misfit. So like, uh, you know, and, and that's also been part of my own art going through Bitcoin. I was like trying to rebuild and reacquire the esteem that like I should have been taught by my father and, you know, held by my community that was always lacking. Um, well, this is the thing that I think is so fascinating about this. Like we talk about having to transform into these versions of ourselves that not only is it uncomfortable to do, but it's going to be requirement for what we, you know, the world we want to see uh, come about as a result of all this. But like, I think we're going to reintroduce ritual in a huge way because like, it's just, it, it speaks to like ritual is a way of reminding yourself and ingraining in the individual what is of the utmost value and importance. And you do that for a lot of reasons, not just to have a healthy, productive 
like cohesive, successful life and stuff. But also, you know, if we take the analogy of this, like, you know, strong man, good times, good man, good times, weak man, weak man, bad times, that whole thing. Like, okay, well, if, if a lot of the mechanisms, if we're anticipating that Bitcoin is going to generate a lot of prosperity right, as a result of being kind of the fundamental layer for value exchange, well, we're still going to create like really fucking good times, most likely, right? And this is just yeah. one reason for, for ritual, but I think like we'll recognize that, you know, we have to be more proactive in managing the different elements of our psyche and how we cultivate certain elements of our psyche and how we dial down other elements. And like, this becomes how you generate a culture. And what I'm super excited about and what I think about a lot these days is like, okay, you have a foundation of truth. Where does ritual come from? Well, I think part of where it comes from is you, it allows you to more properly perceive value, right? By having this mechanism. Okay, well then once that process plays out and in particular plays out in our own behavior and transformation and we see the things that become elevated as more valuable and in the Bitcoin space, I mean, we're already seeing this to some degree, right? Because people are valuing family, health, nature, uh, community, relationships, that kind of stuff. And it's just the beginning, but like, so that reframing of value will naturally bubble up the things that we recognize that are important. And then I think we'll say, okay, how do we further instantiate these things into individuals that are just coming up in the world, you know, so that they are instilled with these things that maybe we kind of hard fought determine the value of and give them a bit of a leg up. I mean, that's the whole point of culture anyways, right? It's to kind of expedite your development of someone who can be, be successful in the matrix that culture and the broader natural world represents. And I think we'll, we'll ritualize a lot of the, these things, the, these values. And what we'll have as a result is like, at, le at the very least, that'll help stave off the complacency and the apathy that might, that might come from uh, prosperity and success and comfort and those sorts of things. And like, I'm super interested in, in watching this develop and, and even contributing to it in some ways, because like, I, we're so detached from ritual now. And I think that's partly yeah. because we're so detached from the rhythms of, you know, the earth and the rhythms of value that, that coincide with the, the rhythms of time generally. And, you know, everything is just all up in the air. It's floating. It there's not, there's very little grounding. And when we can actually determine what's of greatest value and then ground it in uh, ritual that's that's also grounded in the natural cycles of time be they natural or psychological or what have you i think like i think we get a, a way more rad civilization and culture as a result of that i think uh, a really cool ritual that i think we'll start seeing more bitcoiners do is burning coins because when you burn coins uh you're the individual sacrificing for the collective and you're giving the collective a gift right and you can see like you can see in your mind like a procession of Bitcoiners like coming up with their, you know, private key and then putting them in like a little burning altar or something like that. And then, you know, you just it's gone. It's gone forever. You burned it for the collective good, um, which is like I don't want I don't really necessarily want to burn any of my Bitcoin. But uh, if we all start doing it, I'm down. <laughs> I, I, I imagine UTXO sets going to, to, you know, like the one Bitcoiner address with like. Like just small poems in there as they're like yeah. destroyed and embedded in the blockchain forever, you know. And I and I think like we're gonna discover a lot of those apparatuses in terms of the ritualization of key exchange, uh, the methodology. Like 
you know, I, like I already have Bitcoiner friends that, you know, like we have deep and powerful relationships and I almost feel certain that like we'll be involved in mutualized key exchanges at some point in time. Oh yeah. You know, and, and John, we talked about this a bit in Miami, you know, like I, my spiritual experiences have spoke to me so deeply and I believe uh, so much that people really really need those spiritual experiences and to be held with it you know and and like that's pretty much what i'm working on right now is i want to essentially create a spiritual sanctuary like deep in the forest where people can come and like have whatever transcendental experience that they need to have with it and part of that whole model is is because it's going to deal with uh, you know, psychotropic substances, like I'm going to run the entire treasury in Bitcoin so that like when the feds do come and I do get thrown in jail that like that no, they won't. This is lawyers that like escalates the shit to the Supreme Court. This is medicine now. This is I don't know if you know about the amount of investment going into psychedelics, but it's it's prevalent. And, you know, you could totally get away with some sort of, you know, you have counselors and there's a nature retreat and blah, blah, blah. Like what I've figured out about the baby boomers is that they're all selfish fucking assholes. And, uh, you know, Absolutely. they all, a lot of them felt like they missed out on the 60s and they want the 60s back. So that's why they're legalizing psychedelics at this point in time. So, which is like, hey, that's great, man. Use your selfishness to like do something positive for humanity. You know, the psychedelics should have been legal forever. They should have always been legal. It's the same kind of mind virus as Bitcoin, in my opinion, of that. Like, yeah. it's like, yeah, like, woo, like you can have this like woo woo experience that like leaves you feeling better and like not depressed and stuff. And like they get yeah. all this bullshit dialogue and then like they just get absolutely fucking slammed in the face with like, there is a God, there is meaning, there is truth. You have to come to terms with all these things that like you're responsible in your world and your life and how you've created it. Uh, and I'm like really excited about boomers, like having that absolutely crammed down their gullet. Cause I think, uh, <laughs> that's going to create for some, some pretty profound yeah. spiritual experiences. Just, just tell them about the pink elephants. Don't necessarily tell them about uh, the roller coaster of emotions and rethinking of their entire life. It's going to happen. You know? <laughs> well, I'm like that, that's like the secret war that all of this stuff is. And that's one of the things like, I, I, I very strongly believe there, there's an absolutely a very deep affinity between psychedelics and Bitcoin, uh, oh, you know, yeah. not just hearkening back to the Silk Road, but, but even before that, like Terrence McKenna's statements about computers and how they operate and what the brain is, like, it, it, it's a very powerful I, relationship. No, dude, I literally, I wouldn't be here without a DMT trip I had in 2012. If I don't have that trip, I'm not a Bitcoiner. I wouldn't have had the I wouldn't have had my like lenses of perception cleansed enough to see what Bitcoin was if I hadn't had that DMT trip in 2012. And I tried to buy DMT on the Silk Road initially uh, back in That's how I got into it. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, unfortunately, I was too hubristic to think anything about Bitcoin at all. It was like $7 when I tried to buy DMT. Uh, I didn't end up doing it because I didn't want to send drugs to myself through the mail, which is, you know, a federal uh, crime. Yeah, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? And um, my problem was back in 2012, I thought to myself, oh, this is probably like some, you know, uh, centralized server whack-a-mole, like pi a la Pirate Bay or whatever. Um, and I like knew just enough to be dangerous, but like my hubris fucking doomed me and cost me a fractal of wealth, you know, because I'm a fucking idiot. And I thought I knew what was going on. I didn't even bother to read the white paper or anything. I was just like, oh yeah, it's nerd money. Like what, who know? who cares? And then I didn't read into it until later because I'm fucking stupid. It still pisses me. I should have bought Bitcoin at $7. I bought it 200 something dollars. All right. It's annoying. Mine was sure, I'm sure that was we, we all feel that. 
<laughs> I, I was already pretty into Bitcoin and, and you know, people were like, oh, you can like buy drugs and stuff with it. And I was like, well, I got all this Bitcoin, you know, like I'm kind of curious. Like, let's let's see. And like I wanted to experiment to like help me with my alcoholism and, and you know, that sort of stuff. And I just I remember it wasn't my first trip, but it, 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 it was a really deep trip. I was pretty sure it was like two and a half tabs or something. And I just remember on the back end, I like read. And I'd like read the white paper before, but like I'd never read the white paper tripping. And like that absolutely like blew my mind open because cause like I remember like that's when it was all in. And that's when I was like, like this really is it. Like it, it's it's not something else. It's like this. And I just remember like, yeah, just like like smoking this joint on my porch just being like my god like how how is it possible i discovered this gem already and like nobody understands it like how am i so lucky you know and uh i've hung on to that moment in that experience ever since then you know and like it, it's part of what compels my existence in the world and how i move forward with people and it's also part of why now like when you know people it's really fun when like there's people that I trust that come out of the woodwork and they're like, just like, give me the down, like, why is Bitcoin important? I'm like, oh, because like, it's the, it's the messianic weapon of like Christ's return to earth and like a totally different and new form that you can't recognize and is encrypted in such a way that like through your unveiling and discovery, it actually creates a transcendental opening inside of you that makes you someone who you didn't know you were. And then they're like, oh, they're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. They laugh I, at it and they like brush it aside. But like I, I continue to maintain the line because I think it's really important that uh, I mean, you don't encounter anybody in the world that lives truth and puts it out that way. And I couldn't it's do disconcerting. it if I hadn't had these experiences or this understanding. For, for me, uh, yeah, one of the no. one of the analogy or the like overlaps between psychedelics and Bitcoin is like, <clears throat> I think psychedelics expose you to a grander truth, a grand like something, yeah, like it deconditions and defrags your mind and allows you to see something more truthful. And to me, Bitcoin, because of the way that it influences your value hierarchies, defrags and deconditions your mind and allows you to see value more clearly through truth and like both of those things are very similar like they're different routes to the same thing almost in my mind yeah, it's like have you ever hung out with a baby who's under four months old and uh they don't have object permanence so you put something in front of their face and then you take it away and they're like oh, where'd it go you know like they, they have no idea like the object is not permanent to them right and uh that's that's how early we enter the matrix like from four years old onward and then when you do psychedelics you know like especially hardcore potent psychedelics um, you can get back a high degree of that novelty and you can feel like a fucking newborn baby again. And like, uh, that's such a unique and wild experience that I've never understood people who aren't interested in or open to it. You know, I guess yeah. it's just like, you, yeah, you go about life and you, you're like, you're a doctor or you're a lawyer and you're like, you're very wound up in your sense of self and everything. And that's why you usually have to participate in these experiences when you're young. Uh, and stupid and a friend gives you shrooms at a party you know <laughs> like, yeah well I mean, um, these experiences and the way that they open you up towards possibilities that that were no longer possible like to, to me part of the problem is is so many like i think about my 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 parents like normie liberal friends who are like closed to all of this um 
like they they're completely unavailable to the idea of a new or different form of money because of how their mindset is mm-hmm. and when somebody has an experience with psychedelics it at least has them have the experience of having lifted the veil to understand that there is all this hidden stuff out there that they maybe yeah. don't understand or that maybe there are experiences that are past just language or the you know the physical sense of matter um, i also, I, I I think also think should... it's like naturally uh, a result of that curiosity for the seekers right for people that are seeking truth it's like yeah you, you're telling me like there's areas of my unconscious that I have never experienced and that I can experience more of. And there might be insights or new perspectives. They're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go check that out in a very similar way. It's like, what this Bitcoin thing, you're telling me like the very matrix of how culture and economies are constructed is like, there's different ways that that can be constructed. And as a result, there's different qualities of ways. And this is a new quality of way. And like, I can learn more, you know, of course, like you're going to, because you're, you're seeking truth in all domains. I feel really lucky that um, I found Bitcoin in my 20s. And these are like these the, new, you know, powerful. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. <laughs> all, all I was saying I, was that well, I'm, I, I just, I, I just feel like lucky the, that yeah, we the... do have lag on Eric. Go ahead, I brother. I suck. <laughs> no, it's all good. All right. You're my, supposed to have my, good my internet up there, is... man. No, like I'm on satellite internet right now because like I'm oh, in the fucking woods now, man. Yeah, like I retreated away from existence because I fucking hate everybody and I hate the fact that <laughs> yeah, like the 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 intense pressure of living in an urban environment and thinking like the cops are just gonna kick in my window and shoot me in the head at any point in time. Like it it's too much for me, man. So I, I like moved out into the middle of the fucking woods with my family near the coast so I can like run away to the ocean if I need to. Um, it's a good. Well, that being said. I, you know, it, 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 I don't know. Like, I think that, that those relationships between the self-sovereignty of getting to expand your own mind and finding these, these realms and places and spaces that you never thought were possible, just like the self-sovereignty of Bitcoin, of having this true power of your wealth locked away from only you to hold. Like, these are these really powerful and important relationships that I, I, I deeply want to cultivate their relationships to each other and frankly, you know, like I, yeah, I'm working on building a temple out in the forest where people can come and have their non-denominational experiences with psychedelics and they can pay me in Bitcoin for it. And hopefully I'm, I'm coming for that. The good- I'm coming. This is really just to get people tripped out of their fucking minds. So like on the post, on like the post come down, I can be like, let me tell you about Bitcoin. And they're like, oh, <laughs> uh, now let's discuss the new, the new reserve currency of the world, Bitcoin. You're welcome. Uh, gents, Rob apparently is having like issues on the ISP level. So he, yeah, he's, he says he's not even able to like send a text message on data right now or, or Ooh. something weird is going on. Um, yeah, but their Twitter's not going to get their moment. So suck it. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, now there's all these, now there's all these hardcore Bitcoiners out there. What orange balls, I guess is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's too bad because like I, I think, I mean, obviously it, it's a great thing to uh, discuss, but I don't know if it's a good call to do so without, without Rob. No, I, yeah, I don't want to discuss it without Rob. No, yeah. Um, but I, I will do it next time, I guess. All right. Well, <laughs> well he, he's saying we'll, we'll do it soon. And uh, so why don't we just, do you want to put a pin in things and, and wait for that yeah, occasion? I, and we'll, we'll just get a bonus hodl hang before we thought I we'd guess, get a number five? I, I guess we have to, yeah. 
because Rob's internet took a shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, well, it's any really the spooks. It's the spooks yeah. that wanted to make sure that this didn't happen. So I just want right. to point yeah. out everybody realized that that's how important what's going on is they disrupted his ISP locally because at the ISP level. Happening. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty intense. You know, they have a they have a specific. There's probably a three letter agency that's brand new that we don't even know about, and it's just dedicated to Bitcoiner activities. You know. Most mm-hmm. most likely, most likely, they have an altcoin that that's financing it too. So <laughs> it's um, Tron. They've co-opted well, in, Tron. In uh, in anticipation of actually getting together again soon uh, before another three month hiatus, should we uh, shut this thing down now? Did you guys have anything else you wanted to get off your chest? Uh, no, nah, man. I uh, I just I want the best for everybody who's watching this, and uh, I you know think that the best for you is to stack as many sats as you possibly fucking can. I mean, if you're watching Bitcoin content like this and you don't have a whole coin or you have a plan, like a solid fucking plan to get a whole coin, what the fuck are you doing, man? I know they're expensive. They're 50,000 fucking dollars right now. Maybe you're new here. Maybe you're like, hey, this fucking crazy Bitcoin content with John Vallis, this is my new shit. I just learned about it this week. That's great. You need to sell your fucking car now, okay? You need to get a whole (laughs) coin. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you need to do some drastic shit. You're late, bro. You're late, but you're also fucking early. Think about it like this. The CAGR on Bitcoin, the compound annual growth rate, was 200% year over year in the first decade. That's unheard of. Tesla, to give you reference, in the last decade was 67%, okay? And it took over the whole fucking world. If the CAGR falls by even, you know, two-thirds, and you get like a 75% CAGR, Every fucking $20 you put into Bitcoin, if you put in $20 a day, I'm going to fuck up the math on this, but it's close enough. If you put in $20 a day every day over the next 10 years, that ends up being like $3 million, okay? You you spend $20 on dumb shit every fucking day. We both know you do. Stop doing that. Stop that shit. Uh, Put it into Bitcoin instead. 10 years from now, you could be a multi-millionaire. I mean, what the fuck? What are you doing? Huddle, this this rant and the invocation of Kager makes me... It reminds me that you've been notably absent from Twitter in recent months. What's uh, what's going on? What's it like without Twitter in your life? You know, I'm assuming I honestly, you're not just lurking. I'm assuming you're like totally away. No, I'm totally away. Um, I just wasn't finding a lot of signal on Twitter at the moment. Um, I like I like Twitter when it's a bear market and like I'm not on Twitter for clout or whatever. Like I'm not looking to like farm followers and shit. You know. I like Twitter when it's all of us and we're in an echo chamber and it seems like we have a secret and the rest of the world doesn't know that secret and it's us against the world. This version of Twitter during the bull market is much more like we we now are surrounded by shit coiners and no coiners yet again. And we're like, why why are these people at my fucking table? Like, I fucking hate these people. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't know, the five month doldrums of, you know, low price has made everybody turned everybody into a little bitch. And they're all annoying <laughs> me, honestly. Uh, so I'll see you all in the fucking bear market because I'm not a tourist. I'm here the whole time. OK, whether I'm on Twitter or not. Uh, let's see. I guess, I guess my parting words are uh, I, I guess that there, there's two specific subsets of people I want to talk to. If you're listening to this, you probably own Bitcoin. Uh if you own some Bitcoin, but the majority, so like whatever more than half is, if that's not in Bitcoin, you really need to ask yourself why. Because um, look, like, like look at the global economic conditions that are going on. Like you are going to get fucked. 
And I get that number goes up forever <laughs> on stock markets and other things, but like this is all a gigantic charade. And at the moment the true emergency comes down, they're going to take every single fucking thing they can. And you need to have something to fight back. Uh, and as an American, I feel extra privileged, but like, look at the fucked up and crazy shit that's going on in Australia and Canada right now. Like, this is absolutely terrifying. And like, if, if like, let me remind you of, you know, the poem that was used by the, the Catholic priest that was in Nazi Germany. Like, you know, first they came for the communists. I wasn't a communist. I didn't speak up. Then they came for the socialists. Then they came for the Catholics. Then they came for me. Okay. Like you're at the end of that. Like if, if I don't give a shit how you feel about vaxxing or anti-vaxxing or whatever, the fact that they can come after people, shut down their business, take away their livelihood, just because they're not doing what they're fucking told should have you really think really fucking hard about what happens when you get on their bad side because they are going to do it to you so like if you ever have anything to say out of line you need to think about owning bitcoin and you need to think about most of your wealth being in bitcoin okay um yeah like get on the boat i know it's fucking scary i know the volatility the volatility is scary Trust me, this volatility is nothing compared to what you're going to see happen to me and all of the other commodities that you need over the next five years. Uh, and yeah, the you know, I, I just uh, on that point, like I sometimes think, you know, all these people that are being confronted with the decision like to acquiesce, get the vax or or quit. Right. And uh, it's like, what if you just quit into Bitcoin? Right. Or if you liquidated your uh, 401k or whatever your retirement thing is and, you know, you're saved and you just like. You just made that choice. You're like, all right, I'm quitting my job. Future's uncertain. Everything into Bitcoin. Like, not only would that be kind of a self fulfilling prophecy, right? If that, if if people really did that at scale, but it's like, man, wouldn't that be like an upgrade? People just don't realize it. You know, I've been trying to communicating it, commit, communicate it to some people in my life. Like, there's only one way you can insulate yourself from this. Like, there's only, like you said, Eric, there's only one way you can insulate yourself from the rising beef prices, the rising home prices, the confiscation risks, the taxing of everything. You know, in Canada now, they're, about, they're talking about taxing your primary residence. And of course, there's going to be a wealth tax everywhere. And like, this just keeps snowballing. There's one way to insulate yourself from that. And by virtue of the fact that, because like Bitcoin is not meant to be like, make you filthy rich, right? Bitcoin is meant to be a place to put your savings that nobody can fuck with. It's just by virtue of the fact that we're at the particular phase in the adoption curve where this is thing is emerging on the world that you get the best of both worlds. You get protection of your fucking, you, you know, your wealth and you get the upside for being early before everybody realizes what it is and makes that same decision. So fucking do it, you know, like it's it, it's hard not to be well, like, like, in, in people's face about get it. on yeah. like get on while it's not this insane cacophony of everybody panicking because like that's gonna happen there will be days that like week over week day over day we will see nominal price increases and people are like oh fuck everything that i saved for over the last 20 years is going to zero what the fuck do i do do i pile in gold do i pile in stocks what do i do and so like you, you'll get on at the same point in time but the question is, is where the volatility is at, how it's being attacked, whether you actually can get into an exchange, whether this needs to be, because like people are going to be buying Bitcoin, like how they were buying drugs in the 80s, right? Like we're going to meet in a corner and be like, oh, you got the stuff? Like, yeah. And like, I pull out the open dime and they like scam it. And it's like a bunch of pigs like freeze. I'm like, how the fuck is this multi-sig? You can't do shit. I'll go to court and I'll be like, well, he didn't exchange anything. And then they're just going to have me stabbed when I'm in the holding cell because, you know, <laughs> No, listen, it's like, 
hope none of this shit ever this better not happen like You'll i don't be fine, i don't yeah. want be to fine. be in holding cell 21 with you guys because they'll Sometimes do that I think you know? about... like, they'll fuck with us they'll like put us all in holding cell 21 together Sometimes like, I think about uh, them playing these these Zoom chats uh, in court, and I'm like, oh no, I didn't actually <laughs> say that. I was just trying to make Eric laugh. Okay, that wasn't how I really feel. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think like learning to think in Bitcoin is incredibly important for your future prosperity and survival. And uh, like, it's like, okay, two years ago I bought this house. It was a million dollars when I bought it. It's a nice house. All my neighbors recently, you know, after the money printing, they think that their home is worth $1.5 million. It's not. Every home in the country is up 30% year over year. And so if you got to take your, you know, money, sell it, sell your home, and then go get another home that's going to be up 30% also, then no, you're not doing very good, are you, fuckface? But yet when I talk to them and I try and explain this to them, they all look at me like, well, yeah, but, you know, I'm up a half a million dollars. And it's like, no, you're actually not. Because I just explained to you, every home in the country is up 30% year over year. Every fucking home. And so me, somebody who, you know, thinks in Bitcoin, I realized that the opportunity cost on this house was 100 Bitcoin when I bought it. And now this house is worth like fucking 40 Bitcoin or some shit. Do you know what I mean? That's a terrible, terrible fucking investment. And I know that because I have the correct unit of account in my head. And people who don't are measuring with a rubber ruler that's constantly changing. And they think that today's measurements are real. They're not real. Do you know what I mean? You can't live in a Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, you dumb motherfucker. You also can't get shot in a Bitcoin. You also can't have a Bitcoin <laughs> physically extracted from you. You also don't have to pay your yearly tribute just to own your fucking Bitcoin. So why don't you shut the fuck up about that? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> You know, I, I, I think of, uh, I've been, this has been relatively useful lately, but like just kind of ca- positioning Bitcoin as like a portal to a cheaper world because like mm-hmm. everything is going up in price except in Bitcoin terms effectively, right? So in Bitcoin terms, everything is plummeting in price. World life is becoming less expensive if your unit of account is Bitcoin. Everything else, your world is getting smaller. In Bitcoin, because everything's becoming more affordable, your world expands. You have more optionality. There's more things you can do. Like, isn't that what you want? And to the point yep. about like home prices now, like, yeah, it's not real. But because of how manipulated everything is, it's like fucking bore against that shit and dump it into Bitcoin and you're way ahead of the game, you know? Well, you know who it is? You know who it is real for? It's real for the people that don't own a fucking home, John, because it just got 30% more expensive and labor didn't go up. Wages 100%. didn't go up. 100%. I mean, that's... That's shitty. That's shitty as fuck. That's a fucking illegal, rigged, immoral system. But that's where, like, that's what concerns me the most, right? Is because, like, people with wealth can insulate themselves from inflation. And even if it's not real, right? Like, even if you price your S&P or your home and the monetary expansion, like, let's say you're flat, but at least you're flat. Like, all these people, the, the, the growing group of people that don't own assets, they become a problem. And like, not like, obviously I, I empathize with them tremendously, but like, that's where the, the emotion overflows and you don't get these people that are like trying to work with these emotions and integrate them properly and develop solutions. Like it just becomes too immediate and too intense to, to integrate properly. And you get social chaos, right? And first in pockets and then those pockets grow and then they grow and then they grow. And, you know, that's the big concern is that, and, you know, through no real fault of their own, right? The system has fucked yeah. them right in the ass. And like, that's why, 
that's why we need a different system where that's not one, possible and where they can be on an equal playing field. One of the reasons I spend all day on, you know, clubhouse or whatever evangelizing or on Twitter evangelizing or going on podcasts or whatever is because I know that the terrible truth is that the fiat elite can port their wealth into a Bitcoin system. Um, and, but at the same point, this is a game of musical chairs and, you know, you decide what price your chair is for sale for. And so I would like to onboard as many regular people as possibly can be people who are losers of the Cantillon effect. And I would like to get them in a chair, sitting in a chair. And then I would like to teach them that that's your chair. You don't give that chair to a rich person. doesn't matter if they offer you $20 million for it. It's your fucking chair. Okay. Sit in it, sit in it and enjoy yourself and shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right, boys. We good. That's yeah. a good sign off. That was fun. We good. All right, we'll talk again soon. I love you guys. Love you all. So yeah. Love you. Love you. Be well.